Welcome to the Coach Fury Podcast. This is where fitness and geekdom collide. It's time to live long, be strong, and die mighty. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 53 of the Coach Fury Podcast. We are kicking off year two. Thank you for joining me and my guests on this adventure. Speaking of guests, I want to kick this year off with an old friend and someone that I have not spoken with nearly enough over the last couple of years, and that is Hannah Fons from Five Points Academy. Hannah and I both were started at Five Points as members and became coaches just on slightly different timelines, but we had a lot of overlap. And she's somebody that I just love and respect, and she'd cover my classes and assist with me at workshops. And I'm just really grateful for you to hear Hannah's perspective, uh, because in a way she's super groundbreaking, even though she might not think about it. If either you yourself or your facility or someone you know tends to feel awkward uh, unintentionally, when dealing with somebody with the LGBTQ community, it's, this is going to be an important episode, and Hannah really does an excellent job of explaining both sides of the fence as the coach approaching somebody and uh, the mindset of somebody from the community coming into a gym and not knowing how they're going to be perceived or taken or spoken to. Uh, this is an important one, and I don't mean that in an after-school special kind of way, and I, and I think it's really important. Before you get into all that... Let's talk about some things going on in the world of Fury. So the Ramona Flowers Gotcha Month sale is going on at Fury Industries. So I have 30% off your first month at small group classes here in the Gowanus area of Brooklyn. I also have a sale on personal training packages. And let's talk some workshops. I have my uh, Intro to Kettlebell Juggling and the Cat System workshop. This was uh, outlined by Gus Peterson after some discussions with him. Uh, I'll be going to be teaching that Sunday, September 16th from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. in Prospect Park West in Brooklyn. Come and just have fun, my fellow kettlebell nerds. Flipping kettlebells. I guarantee you, you will leave this knowing how to safely teach yourself or someone to flip a kettlebell, uh, both forward and back. I will make that happen for you. Come and join us you know, before the weather goes to shit. And then right after that, the following weekend, DVRT Ultimate Sandbag Training Level 1 and 2 certifications at MSC Strength on September 22nd and 23rd. That's out in, the, in Boston. Original Strength Pressing Reset January 13th, man, 2019 is here right around the corner at MFF Bowery. And then we have the RKC Kettlebell Certification at Momentum Fitness Saturday, March 2nd and 3rd. And then the week after that, the HKC One Day Kettlebell Certification comes to MFF Bowery March 10th from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, you can find out all the info on this and the other episodes of the show at CoachFury.com. You can hit the Services tab for class info, the Workshops button for uh, all, the, all these course infos. And do me a favor. If you've listened to three or more episodes of this show or you just happen to love this episode... Could you give me a rating? Don't even, even if you don't feel weird, even if you feel weird about writing out a review, just hit those five stars so that iTunes will put us in more algorithms so people can hear the guests. It's not about me, it's really about people hearing from the guests. Uh, I would really appreciate that. Everyone, episode 53 with my friend Hannah Fonz. <laughs> it's, it's like a Dean Martin. <laughs> Let, let's toast to this one. Cheers. Chats. Uh, listeners, welcome to the show. We are kicking off the beginning of year two, and I am so grateful to have this guest, uh, an old friend of mine that I have not seen in way too long. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, Hannah Fons is here, everybody. Hey. 
So that was a good like, little like background whistle yeah. sound you made. It, it actually sounds like in depth of space. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I'm really excited because Hannah and I are friends. Hannah and I, have, Hannah and I, uh, I think just as I started to transition into officially being a coach from an enthusiast at Five Points Academy, <laughs> Hannah was like right there behind me as a member. We were going to classes together, and then she started her journey while I was a coach there yes. to become a coach. And now she is uh, one of the strength and conditioning team uh, and a, a solid martial artist in her own right. Uh, Hannah, other than what I've just spoiled, uh, <laughs> tell the listeners a little bit about you. Well, I think, I think you underplayed your role in it. I mean, I consider you to be my strength training mentor. And as, in addition to like, you know, a, a good friend and just a solid human being, you've really, you've coached, you coached me for my Strong First, my SFG1 and 2 and my ultimate sandbag DVRT certifications and all that stuff. So like, you know, when I say I crush certs, I crush certs because I learned how to crush certs from you. So there's that. <laughs> and thank you. So it's, a, it's an honor and pleasure to be here, sir. <laughs> you truly, truly do crush certs too. I do. I, I tend to crush certs. But anyway, um, so yeah, um, I started as a, as kind of a, a member and then, um, of the gym and then, yeah. And I was like, I really, I would like to do this for real, real, and like spread the gospel of strength training and, and all that. So, so yeah, and it's been, I forget, what was, and it, it's a, it's a terrible that we have to base it I, off of that's, but my, my strong first level one kettlebell certification was in Boston the year of the marathon bombing. Yeah. I mean, so what was, year was that? That was literally class two that we were at. That was the second one yeah, ever, in ever. The, ever. Mm-hmm. I think the first one was actually, was it even in the States? I feel like, yeah, the first one was in the States. It yeah. might've been like Utah or something like that. Yeah, right. And then that one. So that was 2012, I believe. I okay. could be wrong. It was either 2012 or 2013. Yeah. But I think it was 2012. Yeah. And then I think the first level two might've been 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I did that right after that. So, um, so yeah, so it's been, you know, not a million years that I've been doing this, but, um, but a while. So yeah. Isn't it weird how that creeps up? That came up on actually on the podcast where I, I'm like, I'm new to this field. And again, not a seasoned super veteran, yeah. but it's coming up on eight years full time. Yeah. That's I crazy. Mean, I feel like if you're saying, you're like, I've been doing this for almost a decade. Like that's, that's, you've, you've blogged some time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The weird part is that I think about like how, uh, well, I would say in my previous career where I built up a reputation as blah, blah, blah in visual effects, like that actual time in visual effects and advertising was probably 10 years. So I'm about mm-hmm. to like actually 50, 50 that shit. Yeah. It's almost like in life, like I've lived in Brooklyn almost as long as I lived in Long Island. And I've, I think I now officially, officially, I think have been bald longer than I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm about to cross the threshold of being in New York longer than I was in Iowa, which is good. <laughs> I can't imagine why you would no, I mean, to Iowa. I don't know. We'll not trash talk Iowa. It's a lovely place to be from, but not a fantastic place to stay. <laughs> so, yeah. It's funny. I find I, I grew up in Levittown, so native New Yorker, and I couldn't wait to get out of Levittown when, when I was in high school. Yeah. And now I'm like, it's not that I want to live there, but I, I feel really good when I go back. Mm-hmm. Although most of the skate spots are all gone or capped oh, sure. up, but it's just, it's nice. Yeah. I mean, it, it took me a while. The first few times I went back to Iowa, it was like, you know, everything closes at six and everybody drives at the speed limit and it's just like whatever and i had this you know as a fresh freshly baked to new yorker i was just like oh my god you know it's so it's so provincial there's where's the culture there's nothing here and but as i've gotten older and i've gotten and new york is you know the 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 shine has worn a little bit off and like <laughs> it pisses me off it takes like 15 minutes to buy a toothbrush i'm like 
I go home to the Midwest or to Wisconsin or wherever, and I'm just like, oh yeah, this is nice. So <laughs> I can appreciate it now more than I did perhaps. I, th I think it's the difference of living in an unplugged zone and going to an unplugged zone. Yeah. I think that's like a big thing for, for me. For sure. Yeah. That's one of the things I love that's about- profound. That's good. Uh, I, I love about Brooklyn is Brooklyn just seemed far enough away, mm -hmm. even though like literally you could ride your bike over it in like three minutes from Manhattan to Brooklyn. It's just enough of an unplug that I don't feel like I'm in the full hustle of the city. Yeah. Whereas I know a lot of my friends, there was a window where everybody was buying like Woodstock, Newburg, Kingston mm -hmm. type places as their getaway. Yeah. And I'm like, this was kind of it for me. Yeah. Now I'm kind of like, I would like to have like a, one like of those places. <laughs> a Fury Farm. <laughs> well, I still have this idea where like warehouse space is just so expensive, so I've kind of blown it off. But if I could have like a gym slash art studio slash tattoo shop slash uh, skate park slash apartment yeah. <laughs> like living space oh yeah. that is the dream oh and with like a bunch of dogs right like well, natural i mean of course um, that goes, that's in the contract there yeah will be, there will be dogs yeah <laughs> that's like that movie <laughs> there will be blood there will be, be dogs. dogs those dogs will drink your milkshake <laughs> and they'll drink it all <laughs> up <laughs> well let's let's unpack part of this so yeah. uh what was, when you had the moment you, you decided you were like, I'm going to take this seriously and go from enthusiast um, to become a trainer. And I don't mean that to sound like, here's the weird thing with enthusiasts, and I love that we're actually both came up that way, mm -hmm. is a lot of enthusiasts don't realize that a lot of coaches come up this way, that they're a member first, they fall in love with it, yeah. and they feel this like uh, urge to share, for lack of a better thing, mm -hmm. way of explaining it. And when they come to courses, they actually feel a little like lesser than against the other trainers. But I think like trainers actually and enthusiasts like really like nerds of it, right? Like yeah. people that like read Dan John and yep. you know, Noel Pavel and the RKC and the SFG and Hankin and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Like they're just as informed as we are. They just don't have the practical application of coaching it right. as they might. Like that tends to be the different experience. So uh, for any of you enthusiasts out there, um, I'm going to reach out specifically to you, George, because we were talking about strength factor and you're like, is this a non-coach thing? Like an, an enthusiast that's really emotionally invested in it, right, loves doing it, it, it could be actually, and probably more often than not, actually doing more to learn than a lot of like lazy ass coaches out there. I, yes. Yeah. Because let's mean, face it, there are some lazy ass coaches Oh, out for there. sure. And I think the enthusiast, especially too, like coming at it that way, I've, I mean, part the, one of the most, if, if not, I mean, Technique is everything and, you know, for safety, for efficiency, for effectiveness, all that stuff. Clearly, that's, that's the foundation stone that everything has to, has to be built off of. But immediate, for me, anyway, immediately after that is kind of the philosophy and, like, the, um, and I don't want to get super woo about it, but, but like, the, I would say, yeah, I guess the philosophy and the psychology of strength training. And, like, I think an enthusiast, it's like, if, you, if you're coming to me as somebody who's already, who just wants to know all the things and, like, who really, you know, wants to tweak and hone their technique with stuff that they've already know or things that they're curious about and they're just kind of hungry to know about this, then the sky's the limit. It's like, I don't have to, you know, the motivation is there, the enthusiasm is there and all that. And it's like, you don't have to, um, I don't have to spend all this time explaining why this is good or whatever because like you already feel it you know and then and then we can get weird about like you know what your relationship to iron is you know? yeah <laughs> like, right the church of strength totally totally so yeah so like i i, I dig that because I, I like to get into sort of the headspace and the woo part of it along with the physical stuff so those people are primed for that already which i appreciate yeah you know it's interesting when i look at the if, if any of the big switches in terms of like how i train myself and how i view training 
from going from five points, going to MFF was like, we definitely dealt with more like the emotional side of it mm -hmm. as opposed to just like put on the heavy music and go and crush weights. Right. And obviously technique was like a, a big thing, but, um, admittedly also like while I was there, you know, like at five points, like the marriage fell apart, you know, it's pseudo homelessness, finding a place, <laughs> you know, couch surfing a little bit. Um, I had a lot of anger and duh, nicknames coach fury. Like it wasn't like, it's not like the opposite of like, you know, calling somebody that's heavy skinny or something like it was like, no, I was like generally a, a fairly, uh, nice guy, but with a, a high, uh, potential to like lose my top, mm -hmm. um, in a fairly spectacular way sometimes. Uh, and then at MFF, and through original strength, I think in particular too, the the idea of play and joy, yeah, like really kicked in. And I would mm. we you and I would both do this, yeah, like in the TRX Prime class when we would mm. like you know crawl around and do TRX. Trying to gamify things was super fun, but then I realized I started instead of like figuring out how intense can I get before trying to lift something heavy, I was like how like non-intense can I get oh, yeah. before I try to lift like something the zen heavy. of the lift to as just, opposed to just the... Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah, and now, one of the things I've been trying to figure out is, um, you know, I'm trying to refigure out the bigger lifts I'm pretty solid at post mm -hmm. this thyroid thing that kind of hit me yeah. a little over a year ago. But now I'm trying to finally go back into things like the snatch test and mm -hmm. the clean and press test mm -hmm. and things that generally spike the adrenaline and your heart rate out the get-go yep. i'm trying to find like all right well how do i train those without that aspect yeah like where it's going to happen but it doesn't um i don't go into the fear mode or the anxiety mode yeah, you know totally. there's like that thing totally. like when you're going to go to a, a snatch test i would say probably 98 percent of anybody that's ever had a snatch test um specifically for a, an rkc or an sfg no matter how many times you've done it there's this f awful moment you feel like Oh, this is gonna get done. Am I gonna get it? It's Even if you've done it like a hundred times totally. prior, totally, totally. it's like you just know. Okay, this one's gonna count, and the clock's gonna mm -hmm. go. And uh, lately, in the last like few months, I've been trying different training uh, approaches mm -hmm. than my norm. Not dramatically to just kind of get away with that. Where like I don't have that. Where I'm just like, oh, this is just gonna happen. Yeah, Does that makes sense. So I was absolutely because like face it, it's sense. either you're either gonna do it or not. Yeah. Like it's either gonna happen or it's not. And the level of anxiety you put on it, usually, if anything, is gonna zap your conditioning while yeah. you're about like rep fifty five. For sure. Um, but just trying to approach it where like okay, like I'm gonna back off on the weight for a little bit. I'm gonna go for this many reps. Oh, I'm gonna try to gun it a little here. I'm gonna like use this as a benchmark and move on. Yeah. And it's been very interesting seeing like positive results out of that. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it's and that that goes into. The sort of the, um, the intensity and whatever, like I get it, obviously, like it's, and I don't, and I'm not saying that it's not a, um, a you know, not being like, oh, calm down, kind of, whatever. I'm, I'm not being super judgy about it. I mean, maybe a little bit judgy, but not <laughs> super judgy. But like, to, for me, I've just, I have, my patience has kind of run out with like the whole, like there's this whole sort of genre of coaching and trainers and whatever, who they're like the, you know, um, you know, pain is weakness leaving the body. Like, you know, crush the haters and prove them wrong. I'm like, where the fuck are you training that you are a lot, you know, you're arrayed against like this, this like panel of haters all the time. Like, who are these jerks at your gym? They're like hating you. Like, just lift the fucking thing, man. Like, what are you? And I'm just like, and I have unfollowed and like just, and, and gotten and unplugged from the whole, cause I just, I'm like, come on, man. Like, what is that like in the kitchen in the morning when you're trying to make eggs? You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you, you gonna move through your life like that? 
It's just, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's a lot. I, it's, I made a meme once that pain isn't weakness leaving the body. Pain is like your brain telling you you're an asshole. Exactly. Where, where in theory, it's actually, your, your brain is actually probably telling you're about to do something right. horribly you wrong. You need to stop. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I think I mentioned it on the show previously. My, my deal with, like, pain is this. If they have to train the military at a certain high level, because like you literally might be shot or have to carry somebody, Correct. or you're going to yes. be walking, like that is like a different Whole mindset, right? First Absolutely. responders. The problem is, and you and I joked a little bit about this when we were like messaging about coming on the show. Mm. There's this idea that everyone has to train that way, and that's yes. general population, general physical preparation, right? <sighs> and you know, if the, I feel like a lot of trainers are afraid. I think there's two things: the marketing angle of intensity, selling the intensity. Mm. Somehow people value that as, oh, that means it's going to work. Sure. And then the value of, you know, I think there's a fear of coaches that if, if the world actually got, it got out, that it's not how long or how hard you work out every single session. It's that you have a lot of sessions. Right. You know, yes, like the actual and time, minimum yeah, dose of physical activity. Like, quite frankly, like you could get hella strong and hella fit basically in 30 minutes or under a day. Yeah. Like if you did it five or six days a week now, now that changes if you're only going to go two right. or three times a week, you need totally. to spend a little bit more time. But that safe dose for a mm -hmm. non-competitor, mm -hmm. people don't want that out because it's like it doesn't sell an hour session right. because it's like, shit, we booked an hour because it's coordinates on a clock. Like mm -hmm. it's a billable fragment of time right. that's easy to schedule um, and they paid for an hour, but really... We only yeah, need to do like do 30, 40 minutes of stuff, <laughs> so I guess you know, we'll so, we're, stretching. so we're either going to yeah. talk more or we're going to yeah. load them up with more swings or more burpees or shit that's going to make them feel like they're going to sweat more or right. potentially vomit. Yep. And I never want anybody there. I never want a woman to come into my class and feel like she has to pee because of like the exercise. Now, right. there are conditions <laughs> that women have with the pelvic floor, absolutely, especially after kids or whatever sure. that like, I get it. Like there's that, but like, I don't want them to think that that's like a, a common part of practice. induce that. No, <laughs> or no. vomiting. No, or even feel like you might. I don't know. I just, it, it, yeah, that, the whole thing. Now, on the other hand, the converse of that is that I think that as a society, I think that we've had, um, there's a, there's a real problem that I've observed a lot with both, um, not so much the individual people that I work with, but like in classes and stuff, people who just are more casual that come in, drop in and take a like kettlebell class or what, or a conditioning class where it's like, I think people have a hard time distinguishing discomfort from pain. Oh, they, completely. They, they equate the two. And then, you know, I'll pull, I believe it was Pavel who was like, you know, your discomfort is not my concern. <laughs> yeah, your discomfort is not my main concern. And that I, I love because I will pull that one out. I, I think that was like, actually, oh. he said that I think in Boston. Yeah. I at, mean, your core, and, at your cert. Right. And it's, it's a badass thing to say. And it's, I agree. It's just like, well, no, I didn't tell you it was going to be comfortable. Now, if you're experiencing pain, that's another thing we have to talk about and address. But like... Like get comfortable with discomfort, and I mean, and that goes the, the the lesson. If you if you get that, you know, driven into your your very fibers through training, it's like, well, what else can you apply that to? You know, you've got discomfort. Well, I, I need a drink. I need a smoke. I need whatever. Sit with your discomfort. Learn to tell tell the difference between that and pain, and like that is something that you can you can move with anywhere anywhere that's that's where you get like the philosophy of strength training stuff uh, yeah for so. me for me i completely agree with that i mean it goes with that idea of getting comfortable with a snatch test mm -hmm. right like uh yeah. you challenge those fears and and you know like anything in any career in in if if you read any sort of business books or self-development growth you know personal development books you know uh, being comfortable leads to complacency mm -hmm. and that's a rough place to be like it's okay to be happy with your life yeah but just
being comfortable with it doesn't always mean happiness yeah. at all. That's like, that's another line, like pain, discomfort, happiness, and comfort mm. are two very different things. Well, and, and contentment and comfort are different things too. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's, and it, it, we're, you know, it's maybe, um, like a distinction without a difference, but I, I don't know. I view it as, I think there's a difference. You know <laughs> I feel like saying? we, yeah, I, I totally, I think there is enough of a difference that those Snick, those Twix commercials just came to mind. It's like, <laughs> it's, I'm, like me being a janitor and me being a, whatever the other guy was. Me, yeah. yeah <laughs> me being a ghost and me being a spirit. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think it's it, huge it, difference. It's a hard one. And you know, when we've had PTs like Emily on the course, mm. uh, on, on the podcast or, uh, uh, Kathy Dooley, mm-hmm. you know, the hard part is you, you, you fire people up, non-competitors to get into like, uh, uh whether you're, uh, uh, male or female, whatever you're coming into, you get that macho alpha attitude mm-hmm. and then it fucking hurts you sometimes. Right. Mm-hmm. And then you get in this loop of perpetually hurting yourself mm-hmm. because the only way you think your workouts are beneficial is when you're at that level. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, you're not, you know, it's not like skydiving where the thrill's over in like however many minutes <laughs> right. and you're going to do true. it maybe like, you know, you know, once a year, mm. it's like, you're going there every time. And if you pin it, it's like when I go to the, the skate park, right? Mm. I suck. I mean, I'm horrible. I'm, you know, I bring my bike, I bring my BMX bike and I'm a shell of my former self on all fronts, <laughs> but I still have fun. And I, right. I know certain days I can feel it like, all right, I'm going to push this trick and, mm. you know, hopefully not get hurt. Um, <laughs> These days, though, it feels like just riding up a curb is like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to ride up a curb right now. But if I try to like really push it every single day at my age with my injury history, with my responsibilities, like, you know, the, it's foolish. It, it is. And unfortunately, I think fitness is that yeah. I think generally speaking, people lose sight at, at when they when they go to a class, whether it's class pass, I think is both a gift and a curse. Oh, yeah. Um, that your coach and the program can either really help you or really, really, really detrimentally hurt you. Right. And I don't think people realize that like they could go to uh, any fitness class you walk into could be as hazardous as like skiing down a slope. Oh, without question. And, but I don't yeah. think people think that because no, they just think, hey, I'm going to the course. Yep. And I, I don't want people to be scared to go, but that's where I want people to look out quality coaching and quality programming For as sure. opposed to like that trainer's hot the class had a great soundtrack or I sweat a lot or I felt like puking. I felt like puking like four times from fitness. Three of them, two of them were Muay Thai related mm-hmm. where it's just like grading or something. Right. Sparring. Uh, once was the first time I actually went for my snatch test. So okay. like understandable. Yeah. And then. But you I, didn't actually chirp. You just I, like d- I did not. I, I uh, it was the first time I tore my hands and uh, mm, yeah. mildly. Uh, it was funny. Gavin was there for that. And Van Vlack. And. Mm. Then there was a day where it was like while I was living in Bay Ridge and I was getting up super early to get in and I had a a girl I was seeing introduce me to Red Bull. So I had a Red Bull on the train and then I got there and this is when Jack 3D still had like the meth formula (laughs) (laughs) and I took Jack 3D and (laughs) I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I literally, I started to do like, I think I might've started to do like swings or something and my heart, like, or it might have even been a snatch test because I feel like this might have been oh, around the, the time of that first TSC we did. Yeah. And it's a, just a sequence of terrible ideas. <laughs> I know, it was horrible. And I just didn't even think about it. It of was course. like habits, like new habit right. um, and, and, and old habit. <laughs> and, and, you know, fortunately now, like, my pre workout is simply coffee. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, those are the only times. Yeah. And 
you know, I managed to pull off. I'm not as strong as I used to be in some ways, but I also don't have the same strength goals that I used to have. Mm. Um, I've seen that change in my mindset as, you know, I've been in mm. it almost 10 years. And uh, I think people think that that's like a normal good thing to feel. And I, I just don't. No, I don't buy it. And I, I think, and I, I would encourage people to like, you know, if you're not, you know, if you're not a professional in the industry, if you're just, you know, if you're a consumer, like a, a consumer of fitness classes or coaching or, you know, however you approach it, it's, you know, you have to, you've just got to, I guess, I would urge people to, um, to apply some critical thinking to it. Like, is it like, is this more flash than substance? You know, is it just like, if somebody's yelling at you and making it feel like boot camp, it's like, that gives you an adrenaline shot, which, you know, that's, that's an experience. Okay. Maybe that you're into that. That's okay. But you know, it's not, but that's not, it's, you're not progressing. You're not, I don't know. It just, and there's so much of it and it, it's sexy in a way, like if you're into that, but, and, and the th that's the sad thing or the, the frustrating thing, I guess, is that like, you know, the difference between, and this gets, you know, Pavel says this, a lot of people say this about, you know, there's the difference between a workout and training, you know, training progresses. You can see, you know, it's slower, it's more methodical, it's more repetition, it's more greasing, you know, greasing the groove, grinding, all that stuff. And it's not especially sexy. So it's like, you know, and I'll tell people, my clients, I'm just like, all right, the next six to eight weeks we're doing this. It's not sexy, but you'll, you'll thank me later. Trust you got to have to just walk with me on this. And it, that's the thing though, is about setting those expectations. Right. And that's where I think it's, it, people lose sight of like where they have to either entertain somebody or, you oh, know, yeah, make sure. a ridiculous program. And I, I'm guilty of this, especially in the beginning. Mm. You know, it's funny you mentioned that thing with, with, with Pavel about entertaining. There was a Pavel quote. Somebody posted it up. I hadn't heard it from him directly. But uh, people that need to be entertained when they're training aren't serious about their training. And I think that's fair. I mean, but it's kind of, kind here's of the heavy, thing, though. If they program appropriately and they keep coming back, how serious do they have to be about it? Right. So, well, okay. Yeah. That's like, that's a, that's the other side of that mindset where it's like, I think like you can set the expectation, like these are the things and why we do them. Mm -hmm. Right. And then it's like, however, whether you want to be more of a, a boot camp approach, mm -hmm. say you take the same program, a boot camp approach, the same program, it's like, that's going to appeal to some people that want to have be barked at in that way. Yeah. There's the way that you would coach it up. And then there's the way that I'm going to use movie references and Godzilla toys involved right. in it. Right. <laughs> um, it's the same program. The problem is, I think is people think, yo, drill sergeant approach means this type of program. And my type of approach means this type of program. Cause I've literally gotten people, even recently, someone reached out to me like a couple months ago. Uh, they got my name off the dragon door site and they were like, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in my fifties and I, I need you to kick my ass, uh, and, and train me. And I'm like, well, I can train you and I can help you The kick yeah. your ass part. We're going to have to have a chat about that when, you know, yeah. Like what does that, what does that look like? What do you mean? Yeah. You but yell? but like, I think I, I hate guess. to say it. I think from the kettlebell, <laughs> the kettlebell world, we, we created that, uh, that vibe on our own with the whole sort of pseudo military thing. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, let's face it. Like I still wear, uh, Hiking pants, uh, more often nicer yoga pants. Now. I change. I was wearing tactical Birkenstocks today. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. <laughs> Do they have I like mean, little knife compartments? And um, I mean, kind of. That's yeah. awesome. I mean, that's my well, my, and and this is <laughs> this is why I've my alliances where they are is the aesthetic. <laughs> it's always the aesthetic. My first two questions of anything, I'm like, does it come in black and is it tactical? And the answer is yes, I'm in it. And I'm just like, oh yeah, okay, great. But yeah, no, seriously. it's. <laughs> I think that's also different though when you, uh, from a martial arts perspective, when you have a background in that, like uh, being ready 
for different types of situations. Sometimes I just want to look ready. It's a real even thing. Care. I'm not going to lie. I'm just like, come on. You know? But you're open about it as opposed to, like, I think, you know, we created an image with the kettlebells, you know, in the, in yeah. the early days of the RKC that hung through for a long time about this, like... It's Russian it, and it's it, It's Russian you and it's, it's, yeah. it's potentially... It's going to be the brutally hardest thing you ever do. And, uh, and I think it was, actually, when I took yeah. it back about it. Uh, in terms of a physical thing. For sure. Uh, but... But come on. You know, does it make it approachable? It's kind of funny to think about. I remember how... And I still talk about it, too, where, you know, they were talking about, like, don't make the grimace, you know, pain face at the top of your swing because how are you going to sell that to a client? And I'm like, well, how, how necessarily are you going to be approachable if you've got, you know, the shirt tucked into the hiking pants? You know, depending <laughs> on your neighborhood, I'm not yeah, making fun of anybody with it. And right. I did all these things. Yeah. But I think there's like a different level of approachability too, right? Like I yeah. think it's important to be able to not look like you're – people love to look like they're in pain too anyway. Like again, it sells that image of this This must be working if I right. make a, a work face. Yeah. Um, but, you know, actually, and, and just to interject, I have – I've I, Every single time, like if somebody's making making like pain face, like you know the cords in their neck are sticking out, and they got their like the vein in their forehead or whatever. Part of that whole Zen part of training, which I picked up from God help us, hot yoga, which I yeah, I had a brief torrid affair with hot yoga for a while, but um, it's like impassive face, like cold face, like don't don't you know scream on the inside, but like keep the face chill. And it's, you know, I mean, and it, it matters. It, it's not just, and it's not just to try and be a badass. It's like, I, you know, it has a, I think it has a soothing effect on the central nervous system. It's like, if you project up, upset, you will be upset. And I'm saying, well, let's just cut that off. Cause it's not, it's not helping you. It's not serving you. So like, just chill out, fix your face and we'll keep going. You know? <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I completely agree. I tell people actually, I tell people to smile. Cause it's really hard to tense your neck and get like, like that's true. From Deadpool <laughs> too, if you just smile. Yeah. And it takes it away. Mm -hmm. But there's this hard line that the top of the swing yeah. is supposed to be this like, er, where it's actually like, in a way, the easiest moment of the swing yeah. is the top. Yeah. You're just standing in a plank. Pretty much. Yeah. So, but like that whole pain face, it's funny. But That's like, funny. I feel like I probably have done that and as well, you know? Oh, yeah. And if you like, and if you're training in front of mirrors to watch your form, it's like, yeah, I'll make, I'll make badass faces every once in a while. I'm not going to lie. Do you do it just to make it like, I, like, yeah, I don't need to, but like. I look good in the mirror right now. If somebody cute's coming in tra to like to like tour the gym and I'm like snatching a 24 kilo bell, oh yeah, I'll put a little extra, a little, extra <laughs> a little flare on there. <laughs> of it's, course, it's funny. I you know I train I train out of my apartment and I train out of Catalyst and we don't have any mirrors. But dead center in the uh, personal training room here at Fury Industries, my apartment, uh, I have this picture of Henry Rollins, a framed picture of Henry Rollins. God bless my, him. My, uh, Saint Hank. My, uh, patron my Patronus. And um, <laughs> it's really perfect. Godzilla and Rollins are my yeah. Patronuses. Yeah, it fits. Uh, and even though I can't see myself in the reflection in the mirror, sometimes mm -hmm. I'm like, I see the silhouette. I'm like, that's enough. Stare at the silhouette. Yes. Form looks great, Fury. Oh, <laughs> Look at that. Look at Henry that. would be so proud. Totally proud. <laughs> Although in hindsight now that blog, that article he wrote that everybody, including myself, was like a life changer for that iron in the soul one. Oh, you ever sure. read that? Yeah. Like uh, you know, he doesn't even train that way anymore because Wait, was that the one where his coach get like yeah. he went and bought the weights and then just didn't and like you're not allowed to look at yourself in the mirror and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally yeah. that one. Like he like even doesn't train piece. he doesn't even train that way anymore because like yeah. it takes a toll on the body totally. after a while. Yeah, you're sixteen or whatever, sure, go for it. But 
Well, actually, don't go for it. But, <laughs> but you'll, you'll live. You'll be okay, probably. You know, it, it's come up on the podcast before. The greatest, and I was talking with uh, my buddy Anthony Renda was, was in here training today. And he's gone through a bunch of courses, uh, mm. uh, one of which was when Dan and I co-taught in RKC with uh, Andy Bo and uh, Matt Marr. Mm. And Dan put this thing in a great way. So a lot of the people think, like, uh, for me, a lot of the people say, like, oh, well, you know, you train differently when you're older. And I'm actually, like, if you start training the way I, tra you tra I train when I'm older, when you're younger, you're actually going to feel great longer because you're not going to have the, the yeah. years of beating yourself up. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, I am living in the years of, skate you know, tw decades of skateboarding and BMX and, and, and just banging myself against pavement and pools and whatnot. Right. Um, Dan had a really good, from an athlete's perspective of it of like he knew he was putting his body at risk and taking a toll on his body to be a competitor to provide for his family but he was actually like you know his income was dependent on yeah. winning things when we go back to this pain and gain thing mm -hmm. you know most of us aren't getting that out of our fitness you right. know if we go to the enthusiast route you don't need to go to that level because quite frankly if anything it might take you out of work right. than bringing food on the table right. and I think that's like a lost perspective I shouldn't say a lost perspective a perspective that's not thought of well enough yeah oh absolutely like the what the potential costs of just it's I mean and it's an it's sort of a when I say ego driven I don't mean like necessarily like a narcissistic ego kind of thing but like yeah if you train in from a place where you're um I don't know if you're trying to prove something necessarily or of like I mean which is not I don't know I mean it, like I think that it's interesting when, you know, somebody who was not, you know, like I, some of my, the people I'm training now, my, my clients were not athletic as kids, quite the opposite, right? You know, either they were, you know, awkward or they were, you know, growing up queer in a little town in the middle of nowhere or whatever. And it's like, and they were, they didn't feel like they were entitled to be, um, athletic or strong or whatever. They're just like, well, that's just not in the cards for me because I am what I am. And it's not, you know, the, we aren't like that. And so, um, to get, and now working, you know, now having decided that they do want this for themselves and they do deserve it and they are entitled to have a, you know, a strong, you know, and move gracefully and do all these things because movement is a big thing for me too. It's like, um, you know, we're not, it's, I think the goals of, the goals of people who train in midlife, who are training like wisely in midlife, I think it's more about, it takes on a more sort of a personal like a growth journey kind of thing as opposed to like how, how hard can I beat myself up yeah. and how can I, how can I break myself on the wheel of like, you know, the kettlebell or the barbell or whatever the case is. So like, um, I mean, I'm waiting, I'm 42 now and I'm waiting to see, I know the day is going to come when like, you know, the curve is going to start to turn into a slope, <laughs> you know, in terms of like what I'm capable of. I haven't gotten there yet. And I think it's because there's always been, I've always had that switch flip when I'm just like, nah, that's stupid. I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? And like, it's not, um, I've been, I'm, have been lucky in that I've, you know, my family, I'm always been strong for just, I mean, even as a kid, like whatever, I was like, you know, the burly kid, but, um, so I didn't feel like I had to prove stuff necessarily. I'm competitive in that regard and, and kind of ambitious a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it's being, being, um, judicious about stuff has always taken a front seat to being like, just trying to show off or like, or, or prove something or crush this or, you know, it's like, it's a, it's, it's, there's a little bit of personal pride, but if it doesn't happen, yo, I'll just send in a video. 
I mean, it's been a few years since I've seen you train, but I'll say this. I have seen the fucking thrill you have of crushing a heavier weight than anybody else in the class. I, well, yeah. yeah but, I totally and do I that. say I this still do a great thing, but <laughs> you're also one of the people that I would see truly just finding an area on the mat and moving around, right? Just really trying to mm-hmm. work and flow through non-loaded movements. Yeah. Um, you know, and this was like before sort of the full rise of, say, ground force movement or animal yeah. flow. You know, your martial arts background, your capoeira background. Mm. Uh, at the time, you were like, I think I left Five Points as you were like six or so months in and like yeah. doing a lot of capoeira. So I think those things... I think we prefer to call it sexy dance fighting. Sexy dance fighting. Yeah. And of course, at the end of that episode, <laughs> Phil, uh, Pam, Phil's, Phil's uh, girlfriend, she introduced me to that show. Oh my God. Uh, because at the end of sexy dance fighting, she decides, Tina decides she's going to take up Russian kettlebell training. Oh my God. That's <laughs> right. At the very end, that's she's like, got a DVD. Like the opposite. Um, oh my God. And what's right. great is uh, I had perfect. actually messaged Pam because now that is like Sadie's favorite show. Really? Yeah. There's certain episodes where I'm like, holy shit, she should not be watching this. But <laughs> she's on the right track. She's going to just fine. Uh, that's but great. I think the fact that you had the movement and the aggro part of it, mm. I think rounds you out physically to like not hit that slope. I think the problem is people just focus on the aggro, like I'm going to lift heavy, I'm going to lift heavy, yeah. I'm going to lift heavy. And I know, I think I got caught up in that, even though I thought I had a movement base. I think mm. that's when, like, before I left five points, like I was getting all that back trouble. Mm. Yeah, I, think that's yeah, when, I, I, that. I think that's when OS really filled the gaps. I think as we were actually, when I think about it now, like we were talking about finding your Zen in the lifting. Yeah. I was going to lift angry and it was my yeah. vent yeah. and I would try to find the heaviest song and sure go in there and just try to vent. And I know that I tweaked myself at least one time on a pistol squad in particular because I was just Oof. like, so just angry. I'm going to crush this fucking thing. Yeah. And, and we crushed myself. you. <laughs> yeah. And I realized that now it's like, you know, it's now more like how, yeah, I'm going to use the appropriate amount of tension, but like, mm. I'm not going to like overdo that shit. Like if I don't need a hundred percent tension to do, Why? yeah, I'm respecting the weights, everybody. Yes. But like, let's face it. Like if I can do, uh, a 36k press for eight i'm not going to use the same amount of tension if i'm going to be able to do a 24 and i know i can do that for i don't know right 15 20 reps it, yeah exactly uh so it's like that's been a, a an interesting switch but I, i've seen that on you but those were like it was never to be i never saw you doing that sort of like to show your better than the other room it was kind of like this is where i'm at and this is where i want to go well and also like look and see and and part of it is is demonstrative too it's just like look if you have the you know if you have the technique dialed in and you and you are confident in what you're doing like you can do anybody can do this you know what i'm saying so like if i'm if i'm trying to teach somebody to clean for example to clean the kettlebell i'm like look if you approach it like like a curl like which is what everybody wants to do when they first start it's like you're gonna to top out. That's you know. Show me the heaviest kettlebell that you can curl like it's curl like a dumbbell. Go ahead, like appall me and do this, right? <laughs> and then they're like, Ugh, and then you know maybe 16 kilos is the best that they're gonna manage, right? Before it, because it's not. I mean, obviously it's not built to do that because the yeah. weight is off center and whatever. But then it's like, okay, I haven't done a barbell curl in a decade, you know what I mean? And but I'll grab a 32 kilo, 30, whatever, some you know huge thing. Show them how to do it and be like, look, if you use, if you do the proper technique. You too can clean this enormous thing with, and it doesn't look like it's any more effort than the, than the 16 kilo. So it's like, it's not even, part of it's just like, yeah, see, look what, look what I can do that you can also do. You know what I'm saying? Come ask me how. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it, it's, 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 and, yeah. People, I think when people start training, they don't realize how strong they are. Definitely. And then you show them that and they're like, ha. Mm-hmm. And then they don't realize how strong they can get. Right. 
You know, so it's like you get a buy in that, like you make them proud of themselves. Mm -hmm. But then there's this race. Like every, I hate to say it, it's like, you know, and I have lots of friends and people that do like these, you know, like four to eight week challenges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not really like, yes, you can definitely see progress. Is it a sustainable format? I don't always know. To some degrees, maybe yes. To a lot of degrees, probably not. What do you mean but, just to go from challenge to challenge to yeah, challenge? Yeah, or even just, just like like if you, you get set up, say, to, to work out a certain amount of days, eat a certain amount of calories, whatever mm. your macros are, like you're going to see results. But then can you maintain that level of, you know, frequency and, and uh, control, you know, willpower yeah. beyond a window? Hopefully it creates good habits that help you get you on your way. But what happens with that too is like you create these short-term target points yeah. that when it comes to strength training, whether it's like a get-up or a press or a snatch test, that people think it's it should come quicker. And then they get frustrated. Like you're not necessarily going to get a pull-up in four weeks if you've never done a pull-up. Actually, it's highly, 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 highly yeah. unlikely. Yeah. So it's this setting up this expectation that like, yes, we can do certain goals. And mm -hmm. within this time frame, the realistic goal is this. But I think people chase that with weights. I think that's frustrating, especially yeah. with kettlebells where... There's not like small jumps. I mean, they're better now than there ever were for better or worse. The, you know, the half sizes like 14s, 18s, 22s. Yeah. But people are trying to race to something that doesn't need to be there. Like invest in volume of something lighter. You know, that whole like uh, what the hell effect. Yeah. yeah I yeah, wish totally. people would really invest in that because I think there's like a lot of magic in that. Oh, for sure. And then, and, or what, um, it's what like Gavin says, he's like, what is it? Train often, test seldom. Yeah, you know, and it's like, yeah, it's 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 endlessly, and it, I, I get a kick out of it every time. Like if you know somebody's trying, say they're trying for a pull up, never done a pull up in their life, they feel like a pull up. Even you know they attempt a pull up, there is like there is no way physics will allow me to do this thing. And I'm like just wait, and then we just press, like you know, and work on progressing their 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 strict press. And then all of a sudden, it's like the next time we're like, oh, you know, three, four weeks, five weeks, whatever, you know, just it, it'll occur to we'll, we'll be walking past the chin up bar. We're like, hop up there and see what, just, just, just see, amuse me, like humor me and see what happens. And then all of a sudden now it's like, maybe they've got a flexed arm hang yeah. for just a few seconds when they, they were hundred percent sure they're like, this will never, ever happen. There is no freaking way. And it's like, all right, we'll see. And, and when's the last time we did a pull up? The last time we did it, you couldn't even, you, you were like barely hanging onto the bar. And so it's like, you can see it's just, you check in every once in a while. Yeah. And it's weird how that, that, yeah, you don't even have to actually train the skill that you're supposedly aiming for. It's, and those are the best moments, yeah. you know, as a coach, when you like, you can see that light yeah. of belief. Well, then you turn know you on. got them. They're just like, <gasps> and they're just like, you suddenly like, there's that like, I don't want to even call it hope, but there's the belief that like, oh my God, that's possible. Yeah. Like, or that, or that, that they don't suck, or that it's like you know all the stuff that they you know, and I'm you know I'm saying this for like like I said the people that I'm that my my favorite kind of person to work with is somebody who's like, who either has, um, you know is either either wants to really rearrange their body composition or has because of you know either really really committing to um, nutrition and exercise has lost a great deal of weight or because they had a bariatric procedure or something like that that really it's like, um, you know or have been sedentary. Not not from laziness, but just because like I don't like one of one of my clients now is a um, he's a composer, so he's always 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 hunched over piano. Yeah, you know, um, and so it's like well, you know, the, the opposite of like the the sporty guy, and it's like well, why don't we? What would be? What maybe you want to try on what it's like to be a sporty guy? Like you don't have to be a jock, but like let's I mean let's try being strong. Like try that on, see how it happens. And it's just like oh my god, it's amazing. It, it, it's interesting that. It, being sporty, being strong doesn't 
instantly equate to jock. And it's no. such a weird thing that like a lot of us hold that. For sure. And even I, you know, you know, it's, it's funny, like when I even came the nickname, like the nickname that was given to me originally was Bald Fury. Uh-huh. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I put the coach in front of it because I thought like it was actually like a kind of folk, a, a funny jock response. Like, a, you yeah. know, like, Haha, I've never been on a team sport ever. Right. I just thought that that was funny shit. Totally. It's like, irony. because I had that equate, you know, in my mm-hmm. head that that one equal the other. And now it's not. And now I know a ton of people that are like athletic trainers oh, yeah, and, sure. and work for, you know, for teams and stuff. And I'm like. Man, I have the highest level of respect. It's just not the thing that I was into, mm-hmm. um, and that's been a really eye-opening thing. But I tend to train a, like a, a pretty wide variety, but I don't think too many. Uh, although I have uh, dancers in the crew mm-hmm. and you know skaters, but I'm not a ton of people that I think would have thought themselves athletic necessarily. Yeah, and it's great seeing them embrace that. Mm-hmm. You know, and even like if, uh, you know, again, I have some people that were like older skateboarders mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or ski or snowboarders and just that ability of like when someone starts to hit their late thirties or even like their, you know, as I'm starting to approach mid late forties, mm-hmm. well, you open it back up that you don't have to just say you're too old for that. Right. You don't have to be fucking Absolutely. Uh, Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. I'm getting too old for this <laughs> right, shit. Where it's, you have to baseline expectations. Like the funniest thing is, it's just like everything comes down to the expectations. You set for the mm-hmm. client, you set for the room, you set for the class, you set for yourself. Right. That like, no, I'm not, am I going to go in a half pipe and get air now? My days of doing a McTwist or ever trying to do a McTwist <laughs> right. are gone. But can I, can I build up to dropping in on a ramp? Yeah, I literally just did it again. Yeah. I used to be able to do it. I got scared as fuck to right. do it again. And now I'm back to it, right? The fact that I'm riding a BMX bike again, like, I've never thought I'd end up taking a bike into a pool again. Right. Um, That's well, but for you. I'm also, like, super mindful of what I'm going to try, super mindful mm. of how hard I'm going to push it. Uh, when I start to get ramped up to like try something like you would a PR, yeah. I go like, okay, what's going to be the outcome if like this goes south right now? Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm going to go for it. And some days I'm like, no. <laughs> and more <laughs> totally. often than not, it's no. Because again, as trainers, if we're banged up, it makes our job almost impossible. Totally. The stakes uh, are much higher. Um, and quite frankly, I got into this whole fitness thing to be a strong dad. And if I'm banged up, I can't help. I can't play with my kids. And right. that's not great. Yeah. Uh, but... We should also like people that are so willing to risk their physicality and their health at the gym in a class to prove themselves like where we should be in, in fitness class, unless you're a competitor, whether it's CrossFit games or powerlifting or what, you know, uh, martial arts, mm-hmm. unless you're a competitor, the gym should be feeding you to prove yourself on something else. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's like a lost thing. Well, and two, it's like, and if, and, and this is what, this is one of the beauties of like, of training people the way that we train people is it like, you know, it's not. And then it, there's so, there's other there's levels to this, as Kendrick would say. It's like, you know, t- you don't have to spend people. You know, you equate, there's like um, they equate spending hours in the gym with like virtue. You know, like oh man, I was in the gym for like four hours. I'm like really, dude? Like, are you? Do you have sex ever? Like, what are you doing? Like with like you know working so hard on this physique, and then you're just exhausted and and full of pain. And you like, what are you using it for? Like, who's ever gonna see it if you're in the gym all the time? Other people you know? at the gym. It will okay. Well, <laughs> all right, if that sure, <laughs> but you know, or like um, yeah, like I've got other stuff to do. I've got like um, it, I, yeah, I've just I, don't know, I lost my train of thought. 
I had a good point and I lost it. I think it was still there though. That I, I do think it's something to be said. And it doesn't happen necessarily in a traditional class-based gym. Oh yeah, training for your life as training, opposed, to, tra- as opposed yeah. to training for the gym. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think, you know, uh, at, at five points, I don't know if it's changed, but I know like Sunday's there mm-hmm. and you would show up on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, you would see people there. Like it would be one thing if you took like, a martial arts class yeah. and maybe went on the treadmill and then took a fitness class. But there would be people there when we opened up at 10 yep. that basically were there to close. Yeah. And they take two fitness classes, two uh-huh. martial arts classes, hop on the treadmill, hit it. on the bag. Yep. And it's like... And I love that gyms become communities, but I mm. want to see those communities go outside of the gym. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, you get to know somebody and like really bond with somebody at the mm. gym, but it's actually better if you go out and get a cup of coffee and a, and a, or a drink after whatever you want to yeah. do or go see a movie or whatever it is. I, I, I would love to see that happen more. Mm-hmm. And that's not five point specific in oh, any I think way. That's, I think that's universal. That's kind of universal that, yeah. where one of the cool things that I've seen happen, you know, at, uh, MFF, you have somebody like Lisa Spodak, who was a ninja mm-hmm. who created a cooking club. You know, I had films of Fury there for yeah. a while. We would yeah, do yeah. like movie nights, you know, Outstanding. Yeah, it was just and, cool. and just more frequent things to go out, mm-hmm. you know, like a, there's been book clubs and stuff. But yeah. Like, so it's great that you build your world around the gym, mm-hmm. but the main part of that should be in your time spent outside of it. If yeah. that makes sense. I totally agree. I think that, that, you know, the, you know, being strong does make things better. Just generally makes things easier. Makes it. I everything completely easier. agree in a in, non-ego way. Yeah, and but in like, but out in the world, you know, it's like it makes you, you know, you can if you know that you're strong, if you know that you're fit, if you know that you can, you know, if you're generally physically prepared for whatever it might you might have to do, whether it's carrying a huge bag of groceries up your fourth floor walk up or you know lifting a Volkswagen off of a pinned toddler or whatever, you know, whatever crazy shit is going to happen. It's like, you know, if you know that you can do that because of the time you spent in the gym, then it's like, I think that you're more, you're freer to enjoy and just kind of face your life outside of it. But like, if you hole up in the gym all the time, it's like, I think there's still a way, hiding out for something. I think there's a way too that you just hold your head up differently. For sure. You know, I, I know, you know, I, I got into this to be a strong dad and I've had to have talks with the kids, like pretty mm-hmm. serious talks with the kids about guys. Like I sometimes feel like I'm letting you down because mm-hmm. this career doesn't financially provide me yet the way my previous one did Uh where I wish I could take you on vacations more. I wish I could do more, Mm -hmm. but the kids know that I'm actually able to do more stuff with them physically. Yeah. And that I'm helping to help other people do that. Yeah. And that's a pretty fascinating thing to walk around and feel like my kids get what I do. Yep. And that I am a strong dad. I'm not one of those. And, and, and I'll say this, like a lot of the, you know, it's funny in Brooklyn, I've been seeing a nice upswing where uh, m- more people are getting fit than not. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it's part of the culture now. I think like if yeah. you're fairly wealthy to live in, to be able to afford to live in Brooklyn, um, that you're probably investing something in yeah, your health. Yeah, it's like a component. In some way, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like, you know, when, when they see that others aren't or they see that people are struggling, that my mm-hmm. kids are starting to appreciate like, oh, that's what happens when people stop stop moving. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's been pretty cool to see. Yeah. And, and I think that's like an important takeaway. And again, now I'm sort of losing my train of thought on that, but I I think when you are fit and you are strong, I don't, I think, I don't think anybody ever thought, Oh, my life was better when I was weaker. Mm. And I don't mean that in an ego way. Yeah. I just think strength 
the strength and movement allow you to just do whatever the fuck you want to do, even if that's sitting playing video games mm -hmm. or just reading a book. It allows you to do it better longer mm -hmm. because like, all right, so like you want to read all day. Strength training is going to help your posture. True. It's going to help undo all that stuff, right? Uh, video games, you know, it's going to help your reflexes. Well, Mike, I'll say, okay, so I'll throw something in, throw a, like a spanner in the conversation. Please. So, you know, my, uh, you know, I do a lot of work with like, uh, you know, I have a master's in gender studies. I'm working on a master's social work. I've got, you know, all these different, these different irons in the fire and stuff. And, you know, of course, like in any conversation about, um, like gender and sexuality and all this kind of stuff. And, and also with training, because you mentioned, you know, the income level of the people who live, you know, in New York city, just generally in like Brooklyn, Manhattan, whatever I live in Manhattan. So, you know, it, I struggle too with the, the fact that strength training, you know, hiring a coach, at, you know, who's not a hack is a luxury. I mean, you know, it's minimum and it, and I, it bums me out that this has got, that this is like a luxury. I feel like, you know, physical fitness and, and wellness and all that stuff is a human right and everybody should be able to access it. But at the same time, I can't afford to, you know, pay my bills if I give it away for free. I struggle with that. I love that you brought this up. But then, and also the second part. So there's the economics of it. That's a thing to talk about. And the other thing too, is it like, all right, so what is, what is, strength and wellness and like quote unquote fitness look like for like somebody who is living with a disability. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, okay. Strong is better. So what do, how do you address, what does strength look like in someone who makes use of a wheelchair or someone, you know, like, so I don't, I, I think that it's important also to expand what our, um, you know, our con concept of what like strength and wellness and ability looks like because I mean, that's part of our job too. If we're going to, you know, if you want to coach everybody, like strength to all. Yeah. Okay. So I do mean all like, so what does that look like? And how do we, how do we have a conversation about, you know, physical capacity and personal records and all this stuff, you know, with someone who's got a prosthetic limb or someone who has no limbs or like whatever, like, well, how do we, what do we do? You know, how do we navigate that? I, I love both of those points. And you know, it's funny as I'm having like a fitness sale and I'm, you know, like for classes and some private training and I think my rates are reasonable and I struggle with my rates because uh -huh. it's like, it's expensive to train with me one-on-one, -on -one, but my rate is also a lot cheaper than I think I can charge. Yeah. And part of that was as somebody that teaches courses, I was getting a lot of trainers and I know like most of us struggle, mm -hmm. you know, to a degree, if we're just full-time trainers, it's like to make ends meet. Yeah. So I'm like, shit, like if I charge you the same that like I'm train charging this lawyer, that seems fucked up. And then I felt like it was fucked up to like penalty tax the lawyer. And I know some people might get like weird about that, but like, mm -hmm. I was like, all right, so I lowered my rate. Like, mm -hmm. I, like two years ago, I lowered my rate. And, but even then, like when you put in, like somebody trains at you twice a week and they come four times a week, like it gets expensive, right? Yeah. On top of all of the other expenses. And I do think like, what about the people that can't afford it whatsoever? And that's yeah. one of the reasons why I offered classes, even though my class programs aren't super cheap. Mm -hmm. I'm not a class pass spot. I have no interest in that just because I want to be able to teach. I don't want random people coming in. Right. Totally. And having to start and, from scratch. It's, and even if someone yeah. starts from scratch, I want to know there's an investment that my time in getting you through the yeah, class is actually going to lead to yeah, another class. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. you know, it's one of the reasons when people online train with me, it's a three month minimum because I have, I know I'm not going to take your money for one month unless it's for a cert and like somebody's like my RKC or TV or whatever yeah. is in a, in a month. It is not worth your money or my time. Yeah. For four weeks. It goes back to that whole like transformation thing. Like, mm -hmm. will you see results in four weeks? Yes. Is it worth the effort that I'm going to put in in your dollars for one month of a program? Probably not. Yeah. Yeah. Three months though. Yeah. And we're going to be fucking talking about some shit. Totally. Like you're going to be like a different person in some ways mm -hmm. and well on the path to this, you know, perpetual fitness journey. 
whether it's with me or on your own, because yeah. I'm never trying to get somebody to feel like they need to train with me. I want people to want to train with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think about like, how can we find like a way to do a community? You know, you and I were joking about our dream fitness. My, my <laughs> dream spot is sort of like the, f- almost like just add a fitness component to Rob Durdick's dream factory, that shitty show we had. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> right. But it's like, you know, it would be skate park, tattoo shop, gym, uh, living quarters, uh, art studio. Um, and I would love to somehow have like a community. There'd be some treatment rooms in there, clinical rooms oh, in there for as sure. well. Maybe a recording uh, studio. Uh, for this podcast. Absolutely. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. Cause that's actually like a, a problem in, in this space. But you know, I do try to think about how, how do you make that accessible without alienating your existing membership mm-hmm. because it's hard to live off that stuff. Yep. Um, Figuring that out. I think that's an interesting one. And maybe you and I should talk offline and yeah. see if there's something we can make happen there. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, I mean, and just to try and put a dent in it. Um, so I work uh, part of my uh, MSW program. Of course, you have to do field work when you're going to be a social worker. And so I did mine. Um, I was already working as a sort of like the Saturday's fitness slash self-defense coach at the Hedrick Martin Institute, which is a LGBTQ youth organization in the city that's been here since like the early 80s and so like in a really quick nutshell we serve kids from the age of 13 to 23 um you don't have totally don't have to be lgbtq identified it's like you know anybody can drop in anybody who needs services you know food clothing uh programs art supplies therapy any of that stuff so i was um as part of what I was doing as an intern, I was also, I was doing counseling and all that other stuff, but also I was doing like super basic. Cause I, I would never in a million years position myself as like, you know, someone who could like capably and, and competently train like Muay Thai beyond just the very basic yeah. stuff. But you know, these are kids who were still like making a fist with their thumb tucked into their hands. So like, I'm like, Oh wait, well, I can totally, <laughs> we can help you with that. <laughs> and so, like, And yeah. the mechanics of throwing a proper, you know, jab and across and all that stuff. So, you know, they were, they were starting from zero and, but of course everybody swaggers in they're like, yo, I know how to fight. You know, I'm like street fighter though, you know, street fight. <laughs> I'm like, did you win them ever? Or like, they're like, oh, you know, I watched YouTube or I trained with my brother in the alley and all this stuff. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> so anyway, one of the, one of the dopest things that I've been able to do, um, was between, Hetrick Martin HMI and five points is I set up a scholarship program for the, some of the kids that trained with me. So if a kid came oh. through and had like, if the force was strong with them and they were like, they really took to like the, you know, the very simple stuff, you know, simple combinations and stuff that would, would more easily translate into like a self-defense context, you know, like how to throw a really good elbow in close quarters. Like if someone is threatening you, like that kind of thing. Um, so at the moment, I think I've got three kids still training at five points. Oh, that's amazing. Full ride, unlimited membership, how, you know, however they want to, how they want to do it, like the strength stuff and the, and Muay Thai and whatever. So, um, and that's been huge. And now what I'm working on, and this is like very much nebulous at this point, it's like just, just at the very beginning, um, I'm taking, I took a year leave of absence from the social work program at Adelphi university where I am. And I'm going to, I'm working with the city, the, um, the department of community and youth development, I believe I can never remember the acronym. But um, I've had a few meetings with them. I'm working on putting together a nonprofit consortium of LGBTQ-affirming martial arts academies 
Wow. So then, so once we do that, we'll form a board. We'll be able to access city funds to expand the scholarship availability to kids. So they could, you know, maybe it's at five points. Maybe it's at, you know, you know, there's a few other places names that I'm not going to get into because I, I, you know, it's, like I said, it's early in the, the phases of planning this. But like, um, you know, partly to address some of that that you know availability and accessibility issue because these are kids, you know, lower income, almost um, universally. 99% kids of color, um, you know, queer identified or not, it's like they're not going to be able to walk into a boutique martial arts academy and get anything. You know, I mean, like, there's just, it's yeah. not, it's not even, it's not even an option. So, like, Blink, Blink Fitness is not even an option. So, um, and you know, this, that would, it addresses so many levels. Like, there's the fitness component, of course, is what, which is great. But then, you know, and this gets in levels which, you know, might or might not bring up to like a grant committee, but like to be able to take a kid who might have, have an experience of trauma and be able to kind of like reorganize their relationship to violence through martial arts, yeah. through being able not, you know, people who's been the recipient of a lot of violence to be able to be the person who now, not, not the one who doles it out. I mean, I'm not trying to create a, you know, an army of, you know, of dangerous, <laughs> no, I, angry queer I, I, kids, which this a, could be a good movie, but like, I'm, I'm just, yeah. In, but in you know what I'm saying? Like, somebody, like, somebody call up Eli Roth now <laughs> totally. uh, to make that movie. Yeah. To be, you know, to be the one now who knows that, you know, that they're, that who is now more trouble than they're worth, you know, who really, who has control of themselves and has, you know, and can move that, that kind of energy in a more positive direction instead of turning it inwards or exploding and having, you know, then getting involved with criminal justice. Like, I mean, the, the benefits to this are, would be far reaching. I, so that's what I got on deck next year. I love it. I'm like, let's do something together. You're like, you're already doing it. Like, that's fucking amazing. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. I got to figure out some way to be able to give back on that level. And part of me has been thinking about trying to do something with schools. Um, yeah. Because I see that, like, you know, I, I there's just such a randomness to, mm. I mean, I don't know if it's every school, mm. but to like Brooklyn public school athletics. Because yeah. we don't have, I was never part of a team, so it's not like I feel like, oh, it sucks that we don't have football or baseball or whatever, like that that's like a separate camp thing you have to pay a shitload of money for. Yeah. But I feel like there's just such a randomness, haphazard approach to it in terms of its necessity now. Oh yeah, it's the first, I mean, arts arts and gym are the yeah. first thing that go. With, you know, if a budget gets, you know, or, and especially, not even if a budget gets cut, but if you're in a low-income neighborhood, it's like, ugh, you know, they can barely keep the lights on and have everybody have a textbook. It's like, really? Like, wh how are they going to have an athletic program that's worth anything? And, and, and when you're in a, uh, you know, a higher-income community and, you know, so my kids go to public school mm. and Sadie's starting middle school and we just last year, we spent the year going through these school tours where mm. you meet, you know, the principals and they tell you about the scores and you yeah. start to... For better or worse, meet a bunch of the local parents. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they tell you that, you know, like, oh, so there are going to be Spectrum kids in your class. There's going to be a special teacher for them uh -huh. in the class, but they're going to be in the class. And you see parents start going, like, I don't want, I don't want those kids in my class, my kid's class. <sighs> or, you know, a certain amount, like, this school only has 100 seats per year. Right. And 40 of them are going to be for low-income housing. And you're like, what? And they're, and I'm like, yeah, because, like, their schools actually suck. Yeah. And the only way these kids are going to learn something is really to come out. And this is yeah. like a thing that's like people don't realize like uh, through skateboarding and through BMX, I've been very fortunate, even though it may seem weird about being so older and like riding a bike or skateboarding with a, kids like literally like a third my age. Mm -hmm. But like you get to see like, all right, these are 
these are Brooklyn teens that oh, like grew up in Red Hook yeah, or Carroll yeah. Gardens whose parents sure. grew up there when like Carroll Park, which is like a nice yeah. park, was called Crack Park. Yes. And you wouldn't go there. Like these kids have seen it all and they're like, I can't believe that you white guys are coming in here and spending this much money on apartments that were like $600 a month right. like two years ago. <laughs> right. You all crazy, right? Mm-hmm. But you also start to see that they have good hearts, but like, you know, if the parents' education isn't there, the kids' education isn't there because the schools aren't delivering. Um, you start to see how many parents are cursing at their kids, threatening to hit them, talking shit around their kids, where you're like, that's a rough spot to start out with when you're five yeah. and your parents are yelling at you and cursing at you the whole time. And you start to realize just like having a role model, having a school, having a place where they can go. So, yeah, I fucking... I just wish there were more, like, ideally in a non-racist society, because let's face it, like, this is a thing. I'm getting uh, political on this front. All of these public schools should be the same quality. They should all be the oh, same yeah. quality. But they're based on income. And, uh, but they are based taxes, on income. Property taxes and stuff. So it's like... And, and the there's zones. Spaces and yeah. It's, so that's it's why that has to be there. But it's that, it's that same idea where you see, uh, you know, those kids need a chance. Mm-hmm. And certainly with, with the demographic that you're working with, I can't imagine how much harder everything is. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the amount of the, you know, kids who just get booted out of their house, they come out, or even even if they don't, even if, you know, I mean, that's the thing too, is that like, you know, you don't have to be a queer kid in order to trigger, you know, you don't, you could be straight and just not, you know, and and like gesture the wrong way. And all of a sudden it's like, you're you're suspect. So it's like, it's this whole thing. And that even feeds back into like sort of the macho alpha kind of it's you know the 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 notion of like toxic masculinity is like it's overused and it's become a cliche and i think it's become sort of a cudgel to beat up dudes with a lot which i don't i mean i i don't partake in that i think it's counterproductive and not fair anyway but like but it is a thing i mean it's a real thing and it's like you know um i think the democratization of strength and sort of unhitching the idea of that strength is a is a mask is a male thing like you know being physically strong being physically capable being able to take care of yourself and others you know your family your kids like whoever you know unhitching that from just the automatic assumption that we're talking about somebody who's masculine i think that that's going to that's going to that benefits everybody you know what i'm saying like um, i don't think that uh, now I'm like I'm totally going off on tangents. <laughs> no, please, please, please. But yeah, please, I mean that, that's part of that's part of it. Like I don't think, I mean, so you know, full disclosure, and you can check out my TED talk on non-binary gender identity, that which I did this this amazing. past March. Just YouTube my name, you'll find it. Um, I'm I'm a member of the trans community myself. I'm a non-binary, female-born, masculine-identified person. So like, um, so I bristled my whole life at the idea that like, well, you know, girls are girls can't be girls are not, are, not, are not as strong as boys or shouldn't be as strong as boys. Or if you are a strong girl, then you're not going to be attractive or not going to be, you know, you're going to be shunned for that. Or like, you know, and, um, you know, women who come into train, like, well, I don't want to get bulky. I'm like, doll, do you understand what it takes to get bulky for most women? That's so true. I mean, yo, <laughs> I mean, it's testosterone so injections or creams or whatever. 3,000 like calories in a very calories. specific training program. Yes, in a in very specific genetic profile as well. True. You know what I'm saying? It's just not, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And the thing is, it's like, what the hell if it did? You know, why is this such a big deal? And I just, I mean, and I'm, I'm, I would, will totally cop to being radical in the regard that, like, 
I think that, that the, the templates and the expectations and the stereotypes and everything that have get, get overlaid people based on you know, gender or sexual orientation, um, socioeconomic status, you know, uh, race and ethnicity, all that stuff. I mean, there, there, there's, there are real things that go on in those, in those, those spheres, like, you know, to say that, like, well, you know, gender doesn't matter. Well, it totally does, you know, but I think that, um, I, I just think that the, in terms of my mission and how I view strength training and view coaching as like a profession and as a, um, as a pursuit and a philosophy, it's, there's so much more to it than just like lifting stuff and putting it down. It's like, it's, it's, it covers everything. And there's, yeah, I mean, I walked into Hedrick Martin Institute being like, I want to build an army of dangerous queer children that will then go forth <laughs> and dismantle the hege hegemonic, you know, patriarchal, whatever. Uh, which then and I learned about working with teenagers and that sure as hell didn't happen. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is terrible. Teenagers well, are dicks, but that's their job. And I, and I, love I mean, it really is. That it's is, totally that is a teenagers. And I'm waiting for it to happen with, with my daughter is like on the You're on the cusp. And I'm waiting for it. But, you know, I, I actually love that you went on that tangent because like, here's the thing that's interesting for me, right? So uh, however you identify, whatever someone's preference is, whatever mm -hmm. someone's uh, race, color, height, whatever is, right? There's a lot of uh, talk, especially now. Let, let's throw this out in the open. Mm -hmm. We're not going to get into a deep dive on this because uh, Hannah and I mentioned earlier, we're not, she's not uh, super on top of this. Um, you know, the Alan Aragon thing happened, folks. If you're into fitness, you know it. Like, uh, just got called out, caught sexual harassment in one case, got caught trying to deny it, got caught in another case, like back to back, like several reports over two year period. Uh, I'm not trying to bury the guy. Uh, I'm hoping he gets help. And like, after not just doing a Facebook post about like how now we're going to go sober that like, but in like several years of actually like therapy and being sober mm. changes his ways. But enough people were hurt, including a friend of mine, um, by it that like, even if we remove that, the responses supporting him still mm -hmm. were fucking crazy, right? So, you know, it's still so easy to make somebody a victim, mm -hmm. right? Or to not value them or to dehumanize somebody. So one of the things that I loved about you when I met you was you were just Hannah to me. Like, I, I, I wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't care, but mm -hmm. it didn't affect my relationship with you in any yeah. way. And one of the things that I think is really interesting, like I, I respect people's preferences and identities, mm. but I also am like, it, it, it doesn't, it's not going to change how I approach you. Like again, right. going into a training, a human level as friends. All right. Yeah. And a training program for tra training programs going pretty similar. You know, mm. if we go back to people that have pelvic floor <laughs> issues and are right. being themselves, I'm going to adjust the program based on that. Right. Or if you have some heart trouble or uh, yeah. a surgery yeah. or an injury, like I'm not, and I don't get why more people coaches and otherwise mm. I can't just fucking kind of come to that point of like, just don't be dicks to people. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like you really, I was, I was texting at K Cal, Kristen Callahan, guest number four uh, of this podcast. Um, we were talking a, a bit about, you know, this Allen thing that went on. And I'm not even saying you have to agree with people, right? Or support something. I just don't, I don't get when you want to get in the way of somebody. And I, I, I don't get when you have to make it something other. Does that make sense? Totally. I think, I mean, and I, I'm, I'm certainly not saying anything profound here that hasn't been said better by other smarter people, but like, I think it all boils down to fear and insecurity. It's like, if you, if you're, 
I mean, it, it, which is again like that the corollary of that is strength. It's like if you if you know you're strong and you under and not just you believe it, you know it. It's a fact. Whether you're talking about mental, you know, emotional strength, centeredness, like you've got that quiet, you know, that those deep waters that just kind of are in the center and that's where you operate from. Then it's like what what could possibly you know, what about some other person could you possibly con construe as a threat or like could make you uncomfortable? It's like if you know yourself and you're more or less cool with yourself, you know, you got your blind spots, you got your, you know, you got the stuff that you're working on, but like you have faith that in time you're going to figure this out. Then, then how you, then that right there is going to prevent you from, from acting hatefully or hostily or, you know, judgmentally to another person. So it's like, you know, if you're training strength, like let's train all the strength, you know what I'm saying? Not just about your grind press, not just about whatever, but let's like, you know, figure yourself out, including the ugly little spots that you, that, you know, that you're not proud of, that you need to, that need to get some air, you know what I mean? And try and, and, and work through that because then, then someone else can come to you and you can interact with them as a human, as opposed to like, you know, a, a transhuman, a trans person or a black person or a brown person or like a, a you know, person who's on the autism spectrum or whatever. It's like, you know, it, it, the parent who freaks out about having now, okay. It, 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 there are, I suppose that if, you know, as a parent who might have questions and concerns about, you know, if a kid is going to have a meltdown and outburst in class, like, are they going to be fully supported? Right. But that's not about, I don't want my kid in a class with three kids on the spectrum. Yeah. They're scared of those kids. You yeah. know, those kids freak them out. That's what the problem is. Yeah. You know? And it's like, really? Like you're a grown ass person who's raising other people. Like you need to figure that out. Uh, and get over it. <laughs> one, <laughs> you one, figure it out. One it's of the scary. coolest things that I think about how my kids are growing up in Brooklyn mm. is going to, you know, a, a completely diverse school. Yeah. You know, uh, diverse friends. Mm. Uh, some of their friends live like literally in penthouse apartments and new developments, and yeah. some of them live in the projects. Yeah. Um, they do not care. If you have a mommy and a daddy, two mommies, two daddies, as mm -hmm. long as people love each other and are nice, they don't understand why they get in the way. Right. Um, you know, coming from a divorced family now, it took them a little while to understand two families, mm -hmm. but now they know what that is and it's like not, yeah. not a thing. Right. And so there's that aspect of it. And with people, you know, there's fear and then there, you mentioned this early awkwardness. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the times it's just awkwardness becomes fear where they don't like it's, it's people don't feel comfortable enough to ask the question. Oh yeah. Um, my buddy and I were recently on a project. We were, we were bidding out a project and, and one of the creative team were, mm -hmm. were trans mm -hmm. and my, my partner knew her mm -hmm. when she went by him before, mm -hmm. you know, she sort of took on the, fully took on the new identity yeah. and he felt weird about a habitually, he'd already been saying he a long time right. and he felt weird about like, well, what do I say? I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be pretty sure she but why don't, yeah. you, why don't you have the conversation just yeah. ask and he had a great conversation mm -hmm. and without me and she was super stoked that he asked but I think a lot of people have a hard time asking that question of just like well, it takes a while to build trust I'm not saying like go up like again here's the other flip side of like like hey what do you go by I just, I mean, here's the thing, you know, I, I, I mean, and I, I speak only for myself, but my feeling is this, and also I'm, I'm significantly older than like, you know, the, 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 
you know, the trans community has gotten so much more visible than the last, I mean, even five years that it's like, you know, so I'm, I'm like one of the old heads. I'm like, you know, these crazy kids with their non-binary, I don't even, uh, you know, I'm like, okay. I'm a trailblazer here. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm, yeah. But, um, I mean, my thing is this, like, I think that, uh, I think that some of the awkwardness and some of the fear that, that non-trans folks or, you know, feel about asking those questions is a uh, side effect of like the the explosive touchiness that has been that is um, has been evidenced by some of my people, like the folks on my side. And it's like you know if you're if you come to me, if somebody comes to me and is like you know you can look at somebody's face if they're asking you a question with respect and genuine wanting to know as opposed to just curiosity about you know oh look this you know that you're like this novel exotic person treating you like a human right and wanting to do right Right. by you versus like you're a novelty act exactly right or curiosity you can tell the difference in a split second you get very good at it growing up other (laughs) you know what i mean i I can can only imagine i mean i get some of it on the most non-extreme level of just being a heavily tattooed person yeah at a time when that wasn't a new thing what wasn't a common thing were you in prison or maybe get shipwrecked somewhere (laughs) no it's it's just i say yes oh sure (laughs) you bet i did (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so like my thing is that you know someone if someone comes to me and you know in in an appropriate setting not at a freaking cocktail party or or whatever and like, you know, or, well, and after I did my TED talk, I got so many emails about, you know, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a 70 year old grandma in, uh, you know, Nebraska. And, you know, my little grandson says that he's a girl, like, uh, you know, and I just want to know, you know, we ask questions about like me personally or this. And it's like, well, yeah, of course I'm going to answer. I mean, there's a certain burden that comes with, you know, being in a very small percentage of, of the human population. It's like, yeah, you kind of sometimes have to, you know, be like a walking, you know, information clinic and that gets to be kind of a drag. But like, um, but yeah, I think that even if it seems weird getting over the awkwardness, um, if, I mean, if somebody, if a, if a trans person bites your head off or asking in a respectful way and not out of just, just, you know, entitlement to want to know about their junk. Um, cause that does happen. Um, you know, if somebody really, really flies off the handle and they're kind of a jerk, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it, we're in an interesting time that, yeah. you know, how people are oversensitive to some degree about that stuff where like they're looking for the harm versus what might it's, be like, it's called, it's kind of like, it's almost like they're, it. And I'm not saying this is, this is any political, any political zone has got this, the kind of, the, the, that there's always going to be that, that sort of faction or whatever that, that get off on being able to gotcha people. Like to, you know, to call out and to, to, to perform their own righteousness and virtue by busting the chops of somebody who screwed up and made a mistake. And I yeah. don't, and that doesn't, that is not, that's not helpful. Or even not made a mistake, even just posed a, 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 a separate point of view, almost unrelated to the topic. Like I got, you know, yeah. I, I, this came up really briefly on the last episode with uh, Glenn, mm. uh, the podcast artist. And so, you know, shortly after, obviously Trump was elected, there was like, you know, all of a sudden a massive uh, uptick on, uh, if you were in New York and I'm sure many other areas, uh, you know, all the sit and wait stuff was kind of bullshit because people were getting yelled at, cursed at, yeah. pushed, punched, like right out the gate. Like, folks, it was pretty freaking immediate. Yeah. Um, but there was also like a, a, a super high level of, I don't know if it was necessary, aggressive conversations aimed at people's own friends. There was that whole like, if any of my friends did this, 
get out of here. You know, uh, yeah, like the mass, the mass purging. Yeah, of, of and like to some degree, to some stuff. degree, I understand it. But like, you couldn't have spent like twenty years, thirty years knowing somebody, and then because of the vote, in my opinion, mm-hmm. suddenly dismissed all the good with that act. Because unfortunately, or what it just is what it is, people's priorities are different, um, folks. I fucking hate Trump. I'm just gonna throw that out okay. there. That's not. That's not. A, that's <laughs> not to let myself off the hook. But I just know like uh, a lot of friends that are firefighters, a lot of friends that are policemen, a lot yeah. of friends that are in the military uh, who, who've done more good for their neighborhoods than not and that are, I have grown up with and are not racist in any way um, or homophobic in any way uh, based on our own mutual friends. Like I, there were other reasons why they didn't want to vote the other way. Uh, I, I don't agree with it, but like that's their opinion yeah. and we can only try to be vocal. But a friend posted up Literally a picture of a private text with her friend where she was instigating a Trump talk, a Trump conversation that the person didn't want to be a part of. And in that, the person got mad at, they got mad at each other. And sorry, hanging up a phone call that just came in. I think that came over the podcast. And I just posted that like, hey, it might not be a great idea. Maybe rethink posting private texts. On a social media. Forum. Well, there's a, yeah. I mean, there's an ethical thing about you know. That too. I just that's, that's weird. I, I just think you know. So maybe the person to respond the way you wanted, but also the person didn't seem to be wanting to instigate a political chat. Right. Right. Somebody who I uh, from the LGBTQ community fired at me as if I was like alt right proud boy skinhead racist dude. Right. And instead of anybody coming to be like oh actually i know him he's not mm-hmm. like you know it was more like uh i think one of the posts was like i need to a valid I, I need to let her validate her anger because of who she, she is and i was just like um but like what does that put me as like you know who i am in a weird way yeah yeah and i think it's become so easy to throw rocks at each other mm-hmm. that we forget that like most of us are actually like closer than not to have the conversation. Yeah. Fear, awkwardness, anger, mm-hmm. all potentially lead to the dark side. Or, or we, we kind of handle them, right? We get strong enough to deal with them. We're like, hey, if I just ask the fucking question of somebody, yeah. like maybe we'll find like a different point of view on it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I well, I can, I can give an anecdote. Like I went, so I have, uh, yeah, I'm just, it's, it's all on my Instagram. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so I've never, never been a huge fan of monogamy. So I have two partners, um, and uh, my, one of my partners, Oba, is um, he's from uh, South Side of Chicago. Um, you know, big, tall, like you know, relatively dark-complected black guy. So we went home to my hometown in Iowa after for Thanksgiving after the elections. And one of the things my mom asked me was that um, we've, we've been together three, more than three plus years now. So one of the things my mom asked was, um, we're, a, we're more of a nighttime family type stuff anyway. She's like, instead of having like a Thanksgiving feast during the day, she's like, what would you, and I have two younger sisters, she's like, what would you and your sisters and Oba think about going to the Methodist church and helping them serve Thanksgiving dinner? They, they host a feast in the, you know, in the fellowship hall in the basement of the Methodist church. My family's not especially churchy, but my stepdad goes. So she's like, you know, volunteering to serve Thanksgiving to like to some older folks and people who just don't have family to be with. And I was like, well, hell yeah. I was like, fuck yeah, I'll serve Thanksgiving dinner at the church. Oh yes, I'm like, we're gonna roll in there, it's gonna be great. And I asked Oba, he's like, yeah, absolutely. So we go, 
And, um, you know, I'm tattooed to the gills. I've got, you know, I'm an, an unusual looking person on many levels. So we roll in and it's me and Oba and my sisters. And, you know, we meet Dorothy and Deb, you know, the ladies, the, the literal church ladies with their world's greatest grandma sweatshirts <laughs> and their little glasses with their little sparkly bead chains to hold them on and their, their aprons. And they were just like, oh, it's so lovely to have y'all here. Like, we can just, you know, we'll put you to work cutting pies. And then we're like, you know, we're packing up uh, to-go boxes. You know, we, they, there are folks who are, you know, don't want to leave home. They can ask for a meal to be brought to them. And, um, you know, the meal was served at the church. And then it was time to deliver the go boxes. And so, you know, one of these ladies, like, she, she had known me when I was a small child. So how she interpreted how I look now, <laughs> I have no idea. But when she last saw me, I was like an eight-year-old, you know, obviously a little girl with like a ponytail. And so um, she just handed me the keys to her car. And she was like, you all can use my car. To, and here's a list. Here's the, you know, here are the boxes of dinners. And here's the list of, of uh, addresses to go to. And then um, I forget who asked. Maybe I might have been me. I was like, so I was like, do you think, I'm like, it's, so it's cool if, the two of us step up and are, are knocking on doors. And, and Deb was like, oh my goodness, you know, I didn't even think of that. And so she calls you know, Dorothy over. She's like, Dorothy, she's like, do you think any of the old ladies, and these are old ladies themselves, she's like, do you think any of the old ladies you know, that are getting these meals are going to be freaked out by these two stepping onto their porch? And, and Dorothy was like, well, I think that's their problem. <laughs> and I was like, now this is a town of about 4,000 people in the middle of a cornfield. And... And the, and the punchline of all this, eventually my sisters called me and they were like, yo, let us deliver your meals for you because we've been getting side eye all day and we're the most upstanding looking, you know, young ladies you could possibly want. So don't spare yourself a miserable interaction and let us take your meals to the doors, which we did. But we're driving by one of the, the woman who gave me her car, driving by her house and there front and center, big old Trump pants sign in the middle of her yard. And I'm like... And so I, I, to this day, I'm struggling, and I, I, I guess it's more of a project now than a struggle, but I'm trying to, trying to reconcile, you know, the, the, and it wasn't like it was a sort of that weird decency that sometimes you get in the South where it's like, well, bless her heart, and then they'd like, yeah. you know, drag you behind a truck. I mean, the, the, we were treated with kindness, decency, deference. The woman gave me her car keys. She had no, you know, she hadn't known me yeah. for six minutes, whatever. But yet, you know, they did this thing. I'm like, but you voted for a guy who's racist and Mike Pence who, you know, would put us all on a ice floe and sink us. And, you know, I'm like, what? Like, how? Why did you do this? And so anyway, so it's like there's levels. And I think it's um, I think one way or another, the country is kind of it's we're, we're, we're facing down some stuff that has been has been sort of shoved under the, the rug for a long time. For better or worse, I don't know if we'll make it through it. But if we can't, I don't think we deserve to. Put it that way. It, it's. I'm very interested in seeing who is going to sort of try to make a go at it next next round. Yeah. I, obviously, Bernie's going to come back. It looks like he's he's already. But you know, I I think we were, and I was a Bernie supporter. Yeah, same. Um, Hillary, I would have obviously preferred, but I, I, I kind of get why she lost, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Because she, she was... Arrogant, the, shitty campaign. She, yeah. She, she, was, she, she was just, you know, in a lot it. of ways, like, what we hate about politics, yeah. other than... I think a lot of people would look at her... I don't want to play a gender card on this, but I think her her background would have looked very different if she was a male. 
because there was also yeah. that like she was uh you know, despite the whole Monica Lewinsky thing, Clinton was looked at rather fondly overall. Yeah. And, you know, coming off of Barack, I think it would have been like, great, we have our first woman president. Clearly she had experience, mm-hmm. but with that experience was all the negative experience of like working for the banks and doing some shady shit. Yeah. Now, yeah. if we just went on resumes alone and these were the only two people, <laughs> I don't know how you ended up. Right. I mean, I guess I do know how because yeah. you're just like, you just want to light a match on the on the fucking gasoline, right? Like that was really what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think like something good will come out of this. And I said this on the last one. Like my daughter, like for whatever she knows about politics, and I, I tell her to chill off on this a little bit because it's like ill-informed kid brain stuff. But she <laughs> she she wants to become a politician now because she hates this idea of Trump. Wow. And I think there's a lot of people that are coming out of that. You know, I think when you look at the kids coming up of Florida, like, oh, for sure. We're, we're finally, maybe in a way that hasn't happened since the 60s, mm-hmm. firing kids up in a way to not just be like, fuck the system, burn the system, but to actually try to change the system. So I feel like yeah. that's something huge. Mm. And, you know, I think we have bigger voices in all communities that. You know, it's, it, it sucks in a way that I think, for, especially for LGBTQ, like, Barack had done so much. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's like, that it's almost shocking. And mm. I know I take for granted that, like, I never had to worry about a legal marriage. And I never had to worry right. about, like, sh- well, I have to worry about showing up at someone's door because I look sketchy regardless of who <laughs> I show up with. But, like, I didn't have to have any other fear, you know? Right. You're a member of the sketchy community. And I, I'm just sketchy my own looking. thing. It's really <laughs> funny, too. So... Kim's birthday was was last week, um, and at her fortieth birthday party, which was now five years ago. I'm not sorry, I just aged Kim. Kim, I love you, babe. You don't, you know, holding up. Kim's a trooper, by the way, everybody. Uh, uh, if you're a fan of the show or a friend of Kim's, she just had some pretty serious surgery. She's fine, but uh, show her some love. She's a trooper, and I'm super proud of how she's handling it all. But. <laughs> You know, I was wearing a Fred Perry shirt that just happened to be the black and yellow oh, one, no. right? So it shows up <laughs> on my Facebook memories, and that has since become the Proud Boy shirt. Yeah, was not, folks, the Proud Boy shirt. It was just a Fred common, a very cool Fred Fred Perry shirt. Kim loves me in it. It's yeah. still hanging up. I can't ever wear it of again. Not. But now that picture shows up in memories, and I'm like, please look at the date, folks, yeah. because it's like. Bald head, heavily tattooed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Fred Perry. Anyway, um, let's if I can, like you know, talking about going up to you know old folks' front doors. One of the mm. things that, and you and I have never directly had this conversation. These are things that are a little weird when they come up on the podcast. Is one of the things that always impressed me about you mm. is you know we show up at the SF. I think it was the SFG two. And um, maybe it was the SFG one, and people are getting to meet you for the first time. Mm-hmm. And there's that moment where like they're not sure how to address you, right? And you are one thousand percent you, which yeah. is awesome. Um, what's that like? Well, um, I mean, there's always there's the uh, it, it's funny, especially like working in like you know in gyms and field houses and like places like that. You know, locker rooms and bathrooms are always an adventure because, you know, like at, at the gym at Five Points, like I have, I change in the women's locker room. Like I'm female and I, and I super tight with all the dudes, but it would just be super, I mean, you talk about awkward, it would be so weird. I'd be like, hey guys, I'm going to change it because <laughs> I look more like you guys. I'm going to change in their locker room. It just, it would be weird. So, you know, so it, the, it happens like at least once a week, usually more. If I happen to be in the women's locker room changing, 
and, a, and like say a class pass person walks in and I'm the only person in there. They squeak, they're like, ah! And then they turn on their heel and they make a beeline for the men's locker room because they think they're in the men's locker room. And so I'm just like, and the thing is I can't be like, no, wait, don't go in there because like, that doesn't help. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> They usually don't make it to the men's locker room. Usually they'll see the men sign on the door and they'll be like, you know, and I'm sure they are like, wait, what? But, and then they do that, like Julia Roberts, you know, like calculation meme and <laughs> turn back around and then sort of creep back into the women's locker room. I'm just like, ugh. So the thing is like that, I don't, I don't regard that as like, that's not traumatic to me, but it does, it does burn up mental energy. Like those are minutes is, of my life. Is there a time when it was traumatic though? Is that something you get used to? N I mean, I, I maintain a sense of humor about it. And again, like I'm, I move from a place of like, I know who I am. I always know who, my, who, who I have been. I've always had support that I have the enormous luxury and privilege of having support from my family always ever. So it's like, you know, I didn't have to build myself back up from like a wounded place. Mm -hmm. I had to have had to navigate, you know, deep, like existential alienation and loneliness as you know, from a young person in a small town you know, fairly pre-internet, of course, fairly certain that I was the only, you know, in being of my kind anywhere. Um, but once I figured out that wasn't true, I was like, oh, okay then, that's good. <laughs> so I was like, so I can, I can view interactions like that with kind of like a sense of humor. Um, and I also, I have, I got a trickster streak in me as well. So I, I don't, you know, I will, I will fully admit to playing, you know, if someone's like, well, this guy over here, I'm like, um, it's she actually. And they're just like, oh. And I've seen you actually do that. Yeah, or not, or not. Like if it, everybody's just sort of reached the consensus that I'm a dude, I'm like, I don't care, whatever. And then, then of course they're all like, you know, it's weird. Like when I peel off from the group of dudes to go to the bathroom or whatever, they're like, but hey, wait. And then I just let them wonder because I don't give a shit. Um, so that, I mean, my approach and my, my, you know, my take on that is not, is not like, there's plenty of trans people who are, you know, for whom passing one way or another is, you know, is super crucial to like their self, you know, their self concept, their self image and how they, you know, that it's important on a really yeah. deep, like existential soul level. Um, and for me, it's not, which is, you know, makes things a little easier, but, uh, but yeah, there's times when my patience runs out, you know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, you know, or, or you know, or like if a lady comes into the locker room, she's like, Oh, I thought this was the women's room. I'm like, you're fine. You're just fine. We're both fine. Because I've seen, you know, you know we've, we've literally showed up at search together and I've seen yep. you go through that. Yep. And I think, and it's also, you know, we talked about the macho environments and the tactical mm -hmm. environments, even though you have like, you know, a thing for tactical aware. Totally. Um, <laughs> that like, you know, it, it's, I, I think it's brave in an area where it shouldn't have to be brave to just sort yeah. of like go in and be like, all right, like there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to get me right now. Right. And to not like, and I don't feel like anybody ever should have to work to like get people to get them. Be gotten. Well, yeah. Does that make sense? True. I, but then, but also, you know, I take, I take, I'm a good coach. I take that seriously. I apply the methods that I would use for anybody to myself. So like when it comes down to like, to, to proving my, if it's a, if it's a matter of physical prowess, if that's the currency of the realm and that's, what's going to make people respond and like, you know, get over whatever they need to get over. I'm like, okay, watch this. Like, I will show you this, you know, this, I will lift this I thing. remember seeing that many times. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it's like, if that's, if it, you know, if we're not gonna, if time doesn't allow, or I don't feel like, you know, ex, you know, explaining myself. And I don't, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I have to explain myself. I don't, that's, I'm not obligated. Um, but yeah, it's like, and also too, like, the, it doesn't hurt the fact that I actually dig bros. 
like there's a certain like the like the like a give me a good bro like you know this guy they're like the, they're like the golden retrievers of human kind, you know they're just like super enthused like that's cool i'm cool with everybody like hey i'm chad like that's let's all right man i'm like okay like you're cool i speak bro yeah. like we can we can we'll be fine we will i will bro down you know i'm half bro <laughs> so i'll just like i'll just sort of like front load my broness and like we'll be fine um so uh and yeah, and so I, I, I navigate, it, it's not, um, it's not effortless, but, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't cost so much that I feel like it's, you know, like draining my life away, you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah, it's, it totally, it, it's weird, it's complicated territory, there's always like a, all right, you know, I hitch up my panties and like go in there and do the thing, you know? Yeah. It's, it's always, it's, yeah. It's got, there's it's gotta there. be, it's almost like, uh. You know, we talked about approaching the bell on a snatch test. Like, yeah. I would imagine like going like into any place, it's kind of like, <laughs> uh, what's like, this yeah. going to be? Yeah. What would you say? So if we try to unpack this a little bit, like mm. maybe to help, we, we talked about like approaching somebody and asking them the mm. question, you know, and I also think it might not be the first thing that I say. I'd like to establish some level of trust. Yeah. If say, say you're a, a, a client of mine, new client. Mm. I just approach people like they're people yeah. um, at first, which I know sounds like everybody kind of does, but I think some people get thrown yeah. that they have to treat somebody differently first because mm -hmm. it's like not their norm, right? So sure. if it's not the norm, it's different. And like different doesn't mean like humans are different. Right. They are. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Um, some, it, some people, well, some it, people navigate that kind of like unsureness more gracefully than others. You know yes. What I'm and it doesn't mean that they're... they're being shitty about it. It's just that they, they, they might be off their step. And it's not even necessarily has to be an unsureness. It's a, I'm going to establish a trust to get to know you a little bit better so that I can actually like meet your needs more. Yeah. Oh, for right? sure. That's totally that's um, legit. How would you say, so if a coach is like, you know, a, a new coach is training somebody that might be trans mm. and, you know, say they're in their like second session and they're having those like, I don't know, like preferred pronoun or anything. Mm. Can you suggest a way that they would like sort of comfortably bring that up without it becoming like a potentially offensive I yeah does that well, make sense totally does somebody, somebody asked a question about <coughs> training uh, my somebody asked a question about potentially like um, my friend Angela Angela it was like you know there's an underserved community um, about like training like trans folks mm -hmm. and like you know there's just the you know it's not a voice that's heard much for sure right and one of the responses was like, yeah, I trained a gay guy and like, you know, I was just like, you know, he said, yeah, you seem pretty normal after a while. And it just seemed, it, it came <laughs> off, it wasn't intended to come off potentially offensive, yeah. but like it could have been read offensive, right? And I think that's like the awkwardness of the written word sometimes. Yeah. So if somebody found themselves in that situation of like, how do you, what would, how would you like somebody to approach that for if it was for you? Well, the, the thing that I think that makes it easy, we have as, you know, as coaches, that if you're doing it right, I think you've got an easy out on that one because like, you know, you do sort of like a, what amounts to like an intake with any new person, right? Whether you're putting them through like, um, uh, oh my gosh, FMS, FMS thank yeah. you. <laughs> I was like the familiar, yeah. You know, so I, I would just say, you know, like when with like I'm doing like an actual intake with one of the youths at the organization that I'm working in, we ask everybody at the outset what their preferred pronouns are, even if it is like they are the most like gender normative, you know, straight looking like whatever. Yeah. We're just like, and you know, and you ask a kid like, so what are your preferred pronouns? They'd be like, he. I'm like, yo, calm down. We ask this of everybody. <laughs> it's like relax. You know what I mean? And so just as like part of that thing, you're just if you just make it make it routine then you get your answer where you get the information off the top and you also in you know the 
the you know the trans folks or the you know non-binary folks or what you know the, the gender divergent folks are going to be so appreciative. I mean that that goes a long way with us a lot. And then the non-trans folks, you've already you've signaled to them too that like we're we're you know we're a woke space. So like don't be a dick about this stuff because like you know we're all in this together. And it, it's I think that that asking for preferred pronouns right off the bat. Just make it a routine thing, and it, then it, it diffuses the sort of the, that sort of looming person. Like, oh my God, when is the right moment to ask? Has it been too long? Like, have you known each other too long? Is it weird now? Yeah, like, I, I guess know. I actually love like the, the simplicity of having that on. I've never had that involved yeah. in an intake, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I've also grown pretty comfortable with those awkward conversations. And yeah. I think like, I'm one of those person that like looks like a potential convict at front, <laughs> right. and then as soon as I open my mouth, like it's diffused. Right. Oh, you know, he's a teddy bear. Mm. Um, or they see a Godzilla picture of me and you're like, fucking nerd. To have that like pretty quickly, like what is your pre preferred pronoun? I think mm -hmm. it's just like a simple way to go yeah. as opposed to like asking some bigger, deeper, bolder question. Like, are you, do you prefer, you know, I yeah. think it's just like a, and it puts the person in the, in the, in the driver's seat to be able to like, mm -hmm. all right, this is it. This is how you're going to refer to me. Yeah. Um, that's great. Yeah. Cause I think that's like an odd, like a surprisingly hard thing for people to deal with in mm. the city, we deal with it more in Brooklyn. We deal with it more, mm. but in a lot of trainers, like it'll be like being in Iowa where you're way more isolated and yeah. you're not dealing with it as often. And then suddenly someone comes in and it's like, this is a new situation totally. and you want to give it, I do genuinely try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, mm. at least on the first go, mm. um, to try to nail that. But I think that's like a hard one. Well, yeah. But the thing too, is that like, but, but flip, flip the lens a little bit and consider the, the you know if you think that's awkward, try being a trans person. Walking oh my gosh! The first yeah. time. <laughs> I mean that's the thing. And then just being like, when are they going to ask? Are they going to ask? Like, am I passing? Like, which lock is going to be okay in the locker room? Like, I'm, you know. And if and if you present more ambiguously, then it's just like, is it safe? Which locker room am I going to be safe in? Is the one thing is the thing you're going to ask? You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, the even even if even if you don't if you don't make it routine. And you have, you know, and you've got to have like this awkward conversation, like the awkwardness that a, that is that a person feels in a, having an doing the right thing and asking in a in a neutral like non-judgmental kind of way, pales in comparison with the you know with screwing up the courage it took to step over your threshold. My gosh, I can't, I literally can't even imagine because like let's yeah. face it, most of us as trainers and even uh, you know when we started as enthusiasts, going to a gym is still nerve-wracking the first totally. time. Totally. It's like, you know, even it's different for me now when I get to go to teach you to place. It's kind of cool because I can get a vibe from a gym where yeah. this is a cool place. Oh, this is a place I would want to lift heavy. This is a place I'd want to like mm -hmm. play in. Mm -hmm. But, you know, even when I started up at the local gym down the street when I left uh, MFF just to have a place to use barbells, like it's weird figuring your way around. Even yeah. just as like I, I, I nobody's going to question my... You know, it's funny. I sometimes wear short shorts. Sometimes they might question my sexuality. Uh -huh. That might be like an MFF holdover. Um, <laughs> you got all those booty shorts. You got to use I, them. I do, and I like them. Just, They're comfortable. It's a carryover from the old uh, shiny, like, you know, Muay Thai shorts. Yeah. They just became less shiny. Um, totally. Less, less gold. So and, are they, what, are they like, like Brazilian fight trunks? Like, what are they? No, they're like, like. Women's running trucks, oh, right, okay. <laughs> right? Like they're just—I mean, they're not the only thing. But I also—I—I I, I tend to teach in leggings a lot. I yeah. don't do that as much in this apartment mm. because uh, you know it is my apartment, yeah. and I need to make sure everyone's comfortable. As sure. opposed to like, hey, welcome to my place. 
you're in my living room now, and I'm wearing Godzilla tights. Right. <laughs> I, right. I don't jump what? to that level made a terrible <laughs> right out the gate, right? Um, I want people to feel comfortable right. uh, with me and with the surroundings first. Like, it's setting that expectation in the environment. Yeah. Like, it always goes back to that for me. Um, your personality will dictate whether or not they're going to like you or not if you can set up expectations and an environment. Mm. And you have the education to like, you know, to, to back that stuff up and provide a good class. But you know, I go in there and I'm like, you know, it's still kind of weird. I'm mm -hmm. still trying to be like, you, I'm not, especially you're not the regular. So there are the fucking regulars that are like taking up one bench, one squat rack and one flat bench by the dumbbells and clearly doing 17 sets of 10 reps, supersetted. <laughs> I'm like, can I use this bench yet? You're gonna be back, oh, in 10, 10 minutes it's gonna take for you to do the next one and you have 16 more sets. You have all that, and right. uh, that's weird. And I can't even imagine when you have to worry about all that other stuff. Totally. And it's yeah, and it's and it's even more. Um, you know, a gym. There's there's just like if you're just open gym, like if you're just gonna go train. But like, you know, I've had the experience of having to you know to, inst you know, insert myself into it like martial arts like academies. Like I started my first martial art was Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, so. Um, yeah. So, and that was a time when, and I was presenting way more female then, but that was at that point, this was in like, I don't know, early 2000s. So, you know, the ladies had not yet really moved in on BJJ. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's completely, it's way different landscape now, but at the time, I think I was the only chick at my academy for a really long time. And then I was one of like two or maybe three. Um, and then midway through my, my stint with jujitsu, which I think was maybe, I don't know, I guess I trained that like seven or eight years, but um, I had chest surgery and started testosterone. So that was like, you know, and then I went to a different academy and I was like very much different looking than I had been before. So it's just, it's, you know, and that like in, in same with Muay Thai, less, less so than Jiu Jitsu because you're not actually physically mushed up against a person unless you're yeah, in a clinch. But like, you know, you're like grappling and sweating in people's eyes and there's already, I mean, it's really, I salute the fuck out of any any I mean queer people in general trans people in particular who are like who are so driven and committed to pursuing you know and training a, a discipline like that that they will stick with it and and not be just I mean even if it's not hostile just to just to feel so alien I read a um, there's oh, there's a, a an Instagram account I just started following it just came to my attention I think it's called triangles for days and it's like queer jujitsu and, you know, it's this gay guy who trains BJJ and has for a really long time, but he's just like, you know, the camaraderie that you get in like a, in an academy setting and particularly, like, and there's this real special thing with, with, with jets. It's like, you know, you're sweating on each other all the time and you're, you know, got your you know, junk in their face and whatever. Yeah. It's a special kind of brotherhood <laughs> and like, and it's really, really dope to be a part of it. But like, you know, along with that comes like the socializing outside of the club and like whatever. And, and like, if you don't feel like you can... If you're only if you're only giving your training partners, you know, twenty five percent of who you are, it's like you miss out on all of that really dope, fun, cool stuff. Um, and it's not it, and it all it takes all it would take to be able to get a hundred percent of the you know your the your queer brothers and sisters who are training with you is to like let them know it's cool, and it's not hard to do. You know what I mean? It, it's super true. Yeah, uh, and I'll say you also. <sighs> You handle yourself and your personality so it's sort of perfect for not that I'm, I mean clearly you're doing ambassador work in your own way right now in terms of like with, with the foundation and all that mm. but like 
you're just really fucking cool regardless, <laughs> right? Like regardless of whatever uh, oh, thank you. Uh, you are. It's like one of the things why I think we became friends, you know, like, like friends, friends, right? Yeah. Let's be honest. So like you have a bunch of gym friends, but then right. you have the friends that yeah, you'll hang out friends. with outside yeah. of the gym. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's one of the cool things where it's like, uh, the right person in the right situation, mm-hmm. you know, like sort of like opening eyes to people, whether or not like, and it shouldn't be your job in any way to do it. No, but it kind of is. But, but it becomes it, right? Because mm-hmm. it's like, it's new to a lot of people. Yeah. And I think it's just like something so cool about your personality. Let me ask you this. So as you say how you used to manifest more female and now more masculine, mm-hmm. has, has the, the, your preferred pronoun changed in, in that time? No, I, I have, um, the, and that's the thing is like, so is, you know, if a person, if a person identifies like as a trans man, like they, they are assigned female at birth and then they transition to some, some degree or another to the masculine direction. And you know, that a person who identifies as like a trans man would be like, you know, he, him, his, their preferred pronouns and, and, and whatever. I like, I've never, I haven't changed my name obviously. Um, and I don't, and because I don't, I don't identify as a man. I never have. I'm certain, like masculine, yes, but I don't. Um, Important difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, like you know, um, like I'm female, but I don't really identify as a woman. By masculine, but I don't consider myself a man. So, so I don't really care about pronouns. But li- li- I would say lately, um, and I and I, ninety nine percent of the time, people call me he. People who don't know me, um, and which I think is kind of funny because I could be like literally wearing red lipstick and they'd still be like he. So they, I guess they think I'm a drag queen. I don't know. <laughs> which is I get a kick out of it's fine but um but the, the and as time has gone on and I've thought about it more I'm like actually no I feel more like a she to be honest and I don't know if it's just out of habit because like you know my I'm a daughter to my mother and a sister to my sisters and I'm fine with that but like um but also too there's a little bit of a political kind of a radical thing in it because it's like no I can do the things that I've done I can take testosterone I can you know rearrange my physicality to suit me and be what I, you know, as close to what I always wanted it to be as I can get it through, you know, work and, and investment and all that and still be, and still claim she, which I think I'm going to do. So, yeah, I mean, so, so I guess like, I suppose at the end of the day, if like I had to pick my preferred pronoun would be she still. Yeah. I, I, I realized in this conversation that I never, I always call, referred to you as her or she. Yeah. And I was just like, for a moment, like, I never actually asked the question just because yeah. we became friends yeah. and I feel like maybe it would have come up. But then yeah, I also no. realized, like, maybe I was, like, awkwardly. Not remotely. You're the first person that I've met with that level of confidence that was already, like, hmm. very you hmm. in a way. I shouldn't say that. Let me think of how, how I'm, I'm having a hard time finding the words to explain I learned a lot from being around you just as a friend by how you carry yourself, regardless of the gender. But the gender identity stuff certainly, I know, made your life harder and recognize that. Does that make sense in a way? And I'm not trying to get like a pat on the back for being like sensitive, straight white dude. (laughs) But, you know, and it's one of the great things that opened my eyes at MFF, Mm -hmm. you know, is like suddenly I was around like a a majority of the community. And you, you really realize, like, with all of our differences, like, the struggles are self-imposed by others and not necessarily yourself. And that's, like, a fucked up thing to think yeah. about, right? It's, like, everybody's outward perception of what, how they perceive you and what they think you should be. Yeah. And where you're, like, you're, like, well, like, it's, everyone's got, like, 
the same sort of worries and the same goals and yeah. the same dreams. I don't, I'm not trying to sound super altruistic, but they have these different threat levels and different obstacles an way to put it. simply because mm. somebody else's perception or uh, because it's a less common thing. Right. And I definitely have learned to appreciate too that, you know, I mean, political things, if we go back to just elections in general, you know, we live in a state that people can kind of can find their homes. Like there's still going to be conflict, yeah. but like you can find your families here. Yes. Totally. Um, even if you don't have one elsewhere mm-hmm. where you realize in other towns, like that's hard. I, and you know, we've never talked about how your parents, you know, handled it. And I love that they stayed where have always been supportive where I feel for people that aren't. Oh my God. Because it's, well, that's, that's the thing. It's like, if you have, you know, if you're rejected by your family of origin because of, because of who and what you are, it's like, you know, even if, I mean, then how, how can you, you're operating from such a, such a wounded, like, you know, your sense of self-worth. It's like, well, if the people who birthed you and raised you are think so little of you that they can just discard you like that. Well then how, I mean, the amount of, the amount of work and like, um, and healing that has to go into it for you to be able to, to, you know, you know, have this, this, the confidence to just be like, unapologetically yourself and just yeah. be like okay so this is what I am I expect you to give me the exact same respect that you would give any other person you know it's like that's the that's how you know in a way it's like I feel like I got I was born rich in that way because it's like if I walk into a room it's not that gosh I hope they like me I'm like well why wouldn't they I mean like I'm just gonna do my thing and like if they don't like my, maybe maybe I mean I might screw up but they also might be a dick <laughs> you know and it's not I mean that's it's just like thing why too. shouldn't they you know what I'm saying like I've never liked or not liked a person based on uh, ethnicity, uh, religion, uh, sexual preference, identity. It's always been like, are you an asshole or not? And I don't mean to oversimplify the situation, but you'll run into assholes in every field. For sure. In every genre of anything you'll ever want. There's always going to be people that are just like, oh, you're just a shitty person. This Mm -hmm. just happens to be your sphere. Yeah. and if only there were a way to have a happy sphere of, of, of the jerks that we can just, you guys just go someplace else and hang out. Yeah. Could just, You're ruining the party. Seriously. You're ruining <laughs> the show, folks. Totally. I had to help throw a guy out. Or I tried to help a guy at a, at a quicksand concert. Uh, there was a drunk asshole. It was one of the most embarrassing pits ever. Great show. This isn't a slight on quicksand at all. Great show. Uh, but it was a really weird pit. And then there was this guy who ended up on his knees giving everybody the finger and yelling fuck you and then he suddenly was on his back and then he was getting dragged on his back and that could have gone real bad and then he was still on his back giving people the finger and yelling (laughs) fuck you and I finally got to the point where I'm like dude are you okay like nobody was actually asking are you okay Yeah. I didn't know if he got hurt or whatever and he's like what I'm like are you okay what are you okay yeah I'm fine fuck you and I'm like dude security's looking at you now Right. you're gonna get thrown out are you okay get up no fuck you and meanwhile, there's another kid, you know, thinking he's the king of the pit, who slaps this guy right in the belly because the shirt had pulled up, getting dragged in the floor. <laughs> and I don't know why that strikes me so you funny. You know, because it he was, it's like, him. this is what somebody found was like going to be like okay to do in a situation right. not knowing if this guy's hurt. But then on the flip side, I was like, started yelling, dude, get the fuck up. You are ruining the show. Yeah. Right? And I. If sometimes it was just a, if somebody could have not that I'm the best person in the world I got my own issues that I deal with um, my, my mind is like a dark scary place sometimes <laughs> but 
if everyone, when they start acting up in those ways, can just be like, you're fucking ruining the show, whatever that show might be. Totally. Right? <laughs> That's where that story was going. Yeah. It's, it's running the show. And it makes it harder, you know? Mm. And I think it's harder when you're in, 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 in your community, in your situation, because, like, everybody is looked at, like, unfairly as an ambassador. You know, even mm. I use the term. Because I've seen you literally break it. Like, I, I'm going to be honest. Like, watching you just, like, walk in as if, like, every other day mm. go into, like, a, a kettlebell cert. Mm. And this was, like, sort of the new transition of the old RKC, which was much stricter in terms of, like, our, or uh, I shouldn't say stricter in terms of... Uh, it, it, it had a heavier vibe than even the SFG, the old RKC. I uh-huh. felt like the threat level went down. Uh-huh. Um, you, you just handled yourself so well. And I'm like, you shouldn't even have to, like, it shouldn't even have to be a thing, but it was. Yeah. Uh, and just by default, that puts, for me, that put you on an ambassador level of like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to crush this cert. And you know what? Like, your assistants, because I, I worked on, was I on your level one team? I don't think I was. No, it was, uh, gosh, who was it? Um, was it Doug? Don't no, then you no. That was for your, what level one? No, you were. You, that, that was like, I, I was on. That was level two, wasn't it? Yeah, Doug was level two. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Doug Nepetal, you're awesome. Yeah, super awesome. So is your wife, yeah, and uh, got, y'all got the best haircuts. <laughs> and have the dopest you, life. You take the best photos with motorcycles it's and true. axes. It's true. And uh, every time I see you with the bulldog, I, I, I miss Mason and Marty. Yeah. Um, miss you guys. Um, that was the level two. Who was your level one? Wait, let me think. Man, I'm spacing out. Oh, I was on Fa- Team Farrington. Were you on Farrington? Yes, yes. So we were for both, for yeah. both. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was like, uh, you come in and you crush it, right? Like, you are a cert killer. Um, Hannah doesn't come in wondering if she's going to pass the snatch test. She knows she could do extra reps. Yes. She's not going to worry about it. She's going to be able to press, like, a 24 because she's going to press a 28 for the test amounts. Like, and, and I think that's, like, a great thing. And... But it's your personality matched with the workload that like wins people over where it's like nobody gives a shit. Mm. You know, like that, that awkwardness kind of goes away and just like, oh, Hannah's a fucking beast. Like, that's great. And like, you know, everyone, almost you go to those certs, like you want to be a beast. Like nobody wants to be like, you know, like, fucking. I kind of flamed oh, out. <laughs> what, a, what a gentle little deer at the kettlebell cert. <laughs> right, no, you know, you, no, everybody, not, male, female, whatever, yeah. wants to be a beast. And, and, and I think that's great. But then I do sometimes wonder when you, how you, just like how you mentioned, like just imagine going to the gym. Like it's it's sort of like unfair that it has to become that. Yeah. And hopefully in time that changes. Yeah, I mean we'll see. It, I think I think eventually it kind of has to because I don't think um, I think that uh, you know across the board like you know regardless of the you know the community that you're talking about um, I think that like just that like the others the capital O others you know the the non straight non white non you know I don't want to say mainstream because it depends what stream you're in if they're main or not but I feel like that um, it's very hard to roll back visibility you know what I'm saying and I think that like and you know the genies are out of the bottles you know nobody's going to be like oh you know you're right we push too hard for whether it's marriage equality or you know gender neutral bathrooms or whatever like you know it's it's okay we'll we'll sit down we'll wait for longer like no we're not doing that <laughs> very you know? true. Very I'm true. like it's not that's not that's not gonna happen so regardless of whatever kind of hostility or like um, limitation gets you know whether it's legislative or just culture or whatever I'm like no we, we, we're we're gearing up for this for a long time so it's like it's on the game's on so that's awesome yeah. wow I love you and I respect the hell out of you well, and I'm you. so I'm glad we got same, to catch same, up same same so same um, and I also want to throw out like uh, 
this wasn't like a slam on like Strong First or anything or RKC, but those were uh, probably in my head, I can't think of a more intense attitude cert of the time that we were going through. It was, it, well, I mean, yo, when I walked, when I went into the, the strong, the level one strong first, it's less so the level two, but um, yeah, it was sort of a, um, yeah, it had kind of like a paramilitary vibe to yeah. it. It was, you know, which I, I kind of dug at the time. I was like, these people are not fucking around. <laughs> I'm like, good, because neither am I, you know, like, let's do it. Um, and I think that, I mean, as long as, I think, yeah, you can, you can maintain that seriousness and that commitment and stuff and not have it turn into like a caricature. And it's, it's not done that. I yeah. And, and I, um, I just, that's why I use it as yeah, an example. For sure. For sure. That's totally, um, it was a thing that was, yeah. you, you don't get that sort of, uh, and again, it's all, it, it, all of this has, has changed over the years, mm-hmm. but you don't get that at most certs. Most certs, it's like, Hey, it's a learning environment. You come in and you're yeah. going to go through your thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Hannah, any final thoughts? Let me think. Um, no, other than this has been a total pleasure. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah. And if, and if there's any little queer kids in New York who are listening and, you know, tuning into this, um, come find me at five points and, you know, we can, we'll, we'll work. Uh, and that's academy5points.com. Any other places people can follow you at? Socials? Um, yeah. I'm on Instagram at, as Amazon-esque. It's Amazon E-S-Q-U-E. Yeah. Or you can find me on Facebook, and I am working on a website that will be launching in the next uh, two months. Awesome. Hannahfons.com, but it's not there yet. And folks, like, uh, go train, go train with Hannah. Like, she's somebody <laughs> like literally, you know, I, I I respect you saying it as a as a mentor, but like I also just feel like we were like peers coming up because mm. it was pretty. I don't think I was coaching maybe a year before you were coaching. Um, but she is somebody that, as somebody that has both, she's taken classes and I've taken classes with, and somebody that would cover my kettlebell classes. Uh, and yes. Hannah and I actually, the first thing I ever did at MFF was a kettlebell uh, get up and snatch workshop, and, yeah. and, and Hannah taught it with me. It was Coach Fury and Coach Fierce. Yes. I don't know if the Coach Fierce is stuck at all. It never, it didn't, I mean, it's just, it's it was understood. Good. It was good though. It's understood. That was a it's, good parent. It's the first um, And assisted at the first DVRT level one certification I ever did with myself and mm-hmm. James Newman so like Hannah is a go-to trainer for me even though it's been a while since we worked together that's been more work schedule than uh, any sort of personality thing and I think this was an important one um, guys everybody just treat people like people yeah. respect their differences and like you don't have to, you literally don't have to understand it nope. just don't get in the way um, liberate yourself from having to understand it. <laughs> you just I mean, completely—that's the thing, right? You just don't—you don't have that's, to have an opinion. That's such a good way to it's put not it. Required. <laughs> just don't force your opinion on someone yeah. else. As long as no one's hurting anybody, you don't even have to have one for yourself. You All right. Just be like, I don't know. I don't really care. I don't know. <laughs> and then just go have brunch. That's it. So it's way. It's and, and have brunch. <laughs> yeah. I don't do brunch, brunch much. It'll be more like. Well, have, have a, have a lunch beer. Like that. Okay, well that's You cool. are more bougie than I, me, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Hannah, can you tell the listeners to die mighty? Die mighty. Awesome. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for hanging in. This was a great one. Hannah, you'll have to come back on oh, sooner than later. Um, now that we've hit the first year, um, I'm going to be a little bit more open to returning guests, not just necessarily when we've had the part twos. I tried to have like a different person for every episode, except for a couple part twos where things ran out. We ran out of time real quick. Um, so we're going to have Hannah back on. If anything, it guarantees we're going to get to hang out and talk. Um, Listeners, thank you so much. We're entering year two on this. And what I'm going to ask, I'm going to continue to ask, is if you've listened to three or more 
episodes of this show, please do a review or a rating. Rating's pretty easy. On iTunes, hit the five stars because it does have an effect on how many people the reach of the show. And it's not so much about me getting my name out. It's I want more people to hear from Hannah. I want more people to hear from the other guests. Uh, you might have noticed on the guest list, like I have some pretty up there trainers and I have some people that I think should be up there trainers uh, in terms of like popularity for whatever the fuck that actually means. Um, <laughs> as we're, if we go back to the previous story as we're learning that that doesn't necessarily mean a lot. Mm. Um, but like seriously, if you could do that for me, that would be awesome. Just keep listening either way. I love you anyway. This show's going to keep happening. Uh, I still can't believe when I started this, that more than 20 of my friends listened to every episode because <laughs> I really thought 20 was going to be the number. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and the fact that we have gone a year without missing a week is awesome. And, uh, I, I will say this, uh, the last number of episodes, we did hit a dude party, which is, uh, switching. Um, it was unintentional, <laughs> but it was like, suddenly we could talk about like, it was like dude after dude after dude after dude. Um, that wasn't done intentionally, but it was noticed. So, uh, anyway, have a great week and I look forward to the next episode. Take care. The Coach Fury podcast is created, owned, and produced by Steve Coach Fury Holliner for Fury Industries, LLC. Music provided by the FTW. Visit the ftw.nyc for band, tour, music, and merch info. Artwork created by Glenn Gurrieta. Visit glenngurrieta.com, that's G-L-E-N-N-U-R-I-E-T-A, or follow him on Instagram at glenngurrieta. Voiceover by Laura Palmer.